0: You gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you wanna be judged on wood grain and concrete courts in New York. This ain't no nickel and dime. It's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good, I guarantee it. But was your reputation built from the playground up, or did you call next and they took that ish? all cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens, Or as loud as Mr. Softy ice cream? No. You see, this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes.
1: When he wasn't breakdance battling and building lobbies with his boys, this kid could be found roaming the various sections of Parkchester, getting nice playing the game of baseball. In the height of the crack era, his parents decided to send him to a nearby Catholic school to help shelter him from the crime and violence surrounding them. On his first day at St. Raymond High School for Boys, he expected to try out for the baseball team. However, he was a month late. Due to his height and build, he was quickly directed toward basketball tryouts. From there, fate Hard work and boundless dedication led him to becoming a citywide standout on a stacked St. Raymond squad. He then joined forces with Carmelo Travieso, Dante Bright, the Padilla brothers, Marcus Camby, and Hall of Fame coach John Calipari to arrive at the NCAA Final Four with the UMass Minutemen. On this episode of Dribble and Dimes, we chop it up with the co founder of the New York Lightning basketball program and Hoops legend, Dana dingle Your entrance into St. Raymond's, what
0: was your experience with basketball up
2: that point? So, my experience before St. Raymond's is I played in gym class and I played in the neighborhood, just 21, we used to call it. And just two-on-two, two, just playing around. Like, you know, we played basketball, football, baseball, whatever other games we made up. It was just for fun. It was never, like, serious. Right. So I didn't really, you know, so actually I played on an organized team called Parkchester Cavs my eighth grade year. But we just played local in the park, right. whatever local tournaments. But I was just short when I showed up. How I didn't take assess, it serious. How
0: was you assess your game though up until that point? Like do you think like yeah, I gotta So one that thing that.
2: everybody said was you tall and you could dribble the ball. Okay. So me being tall, I always had that advantage and I was very skinny. Right. But I was tall so for like I was like a center, I guess back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So being able to dribble the ball, I could go by whoever because I could dribble. But that was it, I couldn't shoot, I had no skill, I wasn't that athletic, but I had decent speed. So that was enough to get me on the floor. So guys are like, oh wow, he's fast and he can dribble. And he's tall. You know, I was five, 11, six feet as a freshman the Saint Rays. Okay. So that was basically my introduction that it was only a few freshmen that were taller than me. All right,
1: that's interesting. So, okay, so you get into St. Raymond, Intention is to go play baseball, mm-hmm. you missed the tryouts because it happened in August. You roaming around the, the school, so I'm roaming September. around,
2: and so then I'm in gym classes. And now they're like, Well, this guy, he's on a team, he's on the team, he's gonna be on the team. It was another Hispanic kid, Oscar Zapata, God bless, he passed away like with a 40 inch vertical. Wow. So, all of these guys I didn't realize went to St. Raymond's to play basketball, okay? So,
1: like, probably recruited too, yeah,
2: right? they were they, recruited, right. So, with some other kids, Rashim, um, another, like, so to make a long story short, I went there and didn't realize most of the team was recruited to come there.
3: Right. Um, That's how they work.
2: But I didn't know that because I was just a guy from the neighborhood, but from Parkchester was only two other guys. Everybody else came from the outskirts of the Bronx, all over the Bronx. So, I'm in gym class. I'm like, these guys ain't that good. I mean, they're better than me, but... They've you been didn't playing. See,
1: like a humongous difference. Yeah,
2: like I'm like, all right, yeah, he's better than me. And they was like, oh man, you should try out. Like you, you are right. Like
1: they're encouraging
2: me. They're encouraging me. They like, they're wow. looking around. And this is the crazy thing, is so St. Raymond's. I don't know if they did it when you got there. The first day of school, this is there's a lineup. Everybody lines up the freshman class, size order. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm in the back. And so everybody's like, oh, this guy's on the team, this guy, and this guy. So then they're looking at the guys. They're like, well, who's that? Or who's that? And they're like, oh, he's tall. Is he recruited? He's like, so who who recruited? This concept is like the administration or whatever? No, this is the kids. Okay. So, like, we outside on the line about the side of the school. Okay. And they're telling me, like, oh, this guy's on the team. They're like, but you're, like, the third tallest guy in the class. Like, why are you not playing basketball? Right. I'm like, I didn't grow up in Brown basketball. Guys in my neighborhood, we didn't play basketball. Right. So I'm like, they're like, well, but this guy's nice. He came from Gauchos. He came from Riverside. He came from this team. But the one thing, me growing up, how I grew up, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't scared. I'm like, okay, that's great. So what? Am I supposed to be scared or right.
3: nervous? Right, right.
2: So, but that's just just growing up as a tough kid and not being afraid. Till when you get in the gym class and you see, like, oh, shoot, this guy could shoot. This guy's dunking. Right. Like, with two. This guy's flying. This guy's in and out, crawl. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, excuse my language. No, no, no. Let, let, let you,
3: it fly. Let
0: me ask you a question. What I find very unique about mm-hmm. your, your story is that you're 5'11", mm-hmm. right, coming into the same race. But you're tall. he's the second tallest guy? 30-30. Yeah,
2: so on a team... I was probably the third tallest, but I was the, the other guys who were skilled, they were like, they weren't big men.
3: Right.
2: So, like, and the crazy thing, there was one kid who might have been the best player to come out of St. Raymond's, right. this kid Donnell Hodges, okay. who was a beast. Wow. He was better than Terrence Book, Orlando, everybody. Really? Coming in. He she was going to play Varsity as a freshman. <gasps> But he just academically, for whatever reasons, and the coach they bumped heads, right. and but he was by far better than everybody, what and he was, he, play? he was like, a guard forward, but he was like six two, which okay. he's six two right now this present day.
1: Right. No relation to Julie, oh no
2: said. Donnell. Yeah, no, not Hodge. Okay, but actually, he actually is one of the key members. You ever heard of the guys who lift weights called Gym Gang? Yes. If you look at a diesel guy, like, I mean, his arms is like this with bald head, Donnell Hodges. Yeah. <laughs> but he wound up, but he's, I mean, Swole. swollen, like ridiculously. Okay. But good dude, you know, he did some stuff. He went to, he wound up ending up at time. Okay. But anyway, so Donnell, and then after Donnell was Danny, Trev, Kendall, and Oscar. Those are just like five superior basketball players. So they're looking at me Well I'm not playing the five I'm not playing the five Shoot we need to get somebody here to play the five.
0: Oh, so nobody wanted to play the five S- Nobody wanted so to you, play center so, so you was it by default basically.
2: So the other guy So it was the other tallest guy Which was Rob Hubbard He wound up making a team But he was like raw See I was athletic I mm-hmm. could move I was skinny So and I would get rebounds that I shouldn't Just being athletic and quick so, I wound up being a starter, even though I wasn't good, but I did everything for them. I did the rebounding, the defense, and everything, and they all killed. So, they loved it. Oh, yeah, he got the rebound. He's going to guard him. So, guys, and I didn't realize why they wanted me on the team to do all the stuff that they didn't the want to do. The
1: dirty work. So, so, so you. I mean, we'll get into this in a little more, more detail, but throughout your playing career, mm-hmm. you've always been considered the glue guy. Correct. Right? The, the, the blue-collar, like, bust-your-ass guy. Like, you be out-rebounding dudes that like, you probably wasn't supposed to be out-rebounding. Correct. And that, so my, one of my questions coming into this was going to be, like, where did you learn it? But that seems like... It that was, was in, tough. like...
2: No, it wasn't. It was basically, I would say, my mentality from... My household that I grew up in, my father being from the South, was very tough on us, like very, very tough. And the neighborhood I grew up in, a section was very tough, and you you weren't allowed to be soft or scared of anybody. Yeah. Like, you know, they would slap box, make us fight, like force us to be tough. Yeah. And to the point where, like, you're going to keep going, running home telling your parents, or you're just going to figure it out. I it. So I was forced to figure it out, but the good thing is, once I learned with that mentality in the sports, it gave you an edge. Right. I didn't realize a lot of people play sports didn't want no part of physical contact. Oh, yeah. They right. were soft. Yeah. Right. And right. so I'm like, even though I was skinny, but I wasn't soft. Right. So as my playing career escalated, I learned on every level, these guys, don't got it. they don't want no parts of contact. So in my mind, I said, that's my edge. I'm going to impose my will and my physicality on whoever I'm going against. So
0: you you figured that out in freshman year.
2: But the only thing is I I understood it, but I wasn't strong yet. Okay. So.
0: Wait, wait. Give me a time frame. You start the season. When did you figure that out? When did you figure out, all right, my age age." is.
2: So I figured that out. So it was two things. That created, that made me different from everybody which was the mental toughness, which also my high school coach and my college coach helped build and add on to that. But I realized that wasn't enough to be one of the better players.
0: So you already had aspirations to be one of the better players.
2: See, my mentality, whatever it is I do, like I tell the kids, to be the best. Right. Like, you know, you could never start too late. All it is is work. You're not being afraid to put the work in. Yes. So for me, it was that, okay, Alright, you guys are they used to laugh at me. We made the city championship and we lost. They're yep. like, well dang, if Dana was better, we would have won. <clears throat> so they would make they fun of
3: me. My teammates. Like, you know,
2: like, ah, you can handle, do some stuff, but you ain't really good. Right. So I was like, all right, so I took it to heart. So I said I made a promise to myself. I'ma get the last laugh. All you guys is making fun and laughing at me, I'm gonna get the last laugh. By the end of my freshman year now, I'm six one.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I'm okay. like, okay. <laughs> so now start of sophomore year, I kinda passed the number of the guys wait, that wait, was wait. guards. You, skip
1: it. you can't t- you, there's a summer. Something happened. Oh, in that so summer. in
2: the summer, <laughs> I'm like, all right, I gotta put this work in.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So I, I tried out for Riverside Church. I made the team. Okay. I was actually on the B team. This is the funny story. So I never played on a real organized team. So they had two teams. I tried out for Gauchos, I made Gauchos, I made Riverside. But I elected to play on Riverside because they had a second team, a B team, where I can play, get my confidence, learn, and develop. So
1: what Gauchos? You Gauchos was
2: one team. So I would have been buried at the end of Got the it. bench. Okay. Wow. Okay. So Riverside I go. They had some kids from Manhattan Center. They had this guy, so the point guard was like, "Oh yeah, D, yo, you could be nice, this, this, and that." It was a skinny point guard from Manhattan Center. He was like, "Yo, D, you nice kid. I'm speaking that way for a reason to see if y'all could figure out who am I talking about." The last part I could tell you, okay, this guy is probably goes down as one of the. The best rappers of our time. Oh,
1: Mason there you wow. go. I should have got it when you said the But I also,
2: I was speaking slow yeah, yeah, yeah. just for a reason.
0: Yo, this man, yo, he's so That he's was my first you
2: know. point guard oh, on a nap. Like right now, if we call him on the phone, he'd be like, yeah, he gave me the nickname uh-huh. D Smooth. And he was my first point guard who gave me confidence. Oh no And pass me the ball And encourage me Encouraging me Why at high school They was making fun of me And putting me down But so But now I started Getting confidence I'm getting the ball I'm getting 15 12 18 Then now I'm like Working on my handle Working on my shot Doing my push ups So now I come back So this is all of the work I did in the spring And the summer So now I'm coming back With a different mentality So now I'm looking at these guys Like wait a minute Y'all didn't even grow. Oh.
0: <laughs>
2: y'all still got the same game.
1: Barbecue chicken oh. time. <laughs>
2: so, like, y'all not like, like, we're going to have to change some stuff now. So, basically, I went from the fifth starter to about time now. I'm getting 15 20. Mm. Wow. Hornets. Double points. So, I'm averaging doubles. double doubles. Right. So, now the coach is like, wait a minute. <laughs> This is running through him now. Right.
1: This is Gary D, by the no,
2: way. No, Gary, I played JV. Oh. Andrew Sadia okay. was my oh. JV coach. Wow. <laughs> See, I didn't realize. He I know
0: he coached at the elementary
1: school where he grew up. Yes,
2: Sadia was a JV coach. Yeah.
0: Quick, quick question about that. So everyone from your freshman team went to JV with you,
2: correct? Mostly the ones who stayed in the school. Okay. Because I don't know if anybody moved up. I didn't think in my class... Nobody moved up to varsity. Okay. So everybody who remained in St. Raymond's played JV.
0: So the, real, the, question, the reason I ask you that question is, mm-hmm. who were the top players that freshman year that transferred over to JV that that was known mm-hmm. as the number one guy or number two guy that you came and trumped right
2: away? Well, Danny Basil, Trevor Radford, and Kendall Donaldson. Those Reach were
0: all blast, y'all.
2: Well, those, but Kendall, that's my cut. These are all family, though. Like, yeah, St. Ray's, we all family. But those guys knew in order for us to win a championship, it had, to go through you. had to go through me. So, and they were right, and my confidence was different. I was still skinny, but now as the season went along, I was 6'2". By the end of my sophomore year, I was 6'3". Now, wow. 6'3", putting it on the floor and didn't care. Remember, I was never afraid to get fouled or get hit. Like, I didn't care. I just wasn't taught that, you know, like, you're not supposed to get right up when you fall on the floor. Mm -hmm. I was taught get up, get your behind off the floor. So by then, it was just tough for anybody to deal with me. And I was at 6'3". But remember, Terrence Rencher... Is a junior, Orlando Antigua is a junior, Carl Green is a junior, mm-hmm. all of these guys, and St. Ray's is just starting to get that national reputation, it is a program up and coming. So, me being the main guy, to lead leading score on JV, and we had, we wound up winning the city championship, was the first JV championship in St. Ray's history. Okay. Nice. So, to now going to varsity, you know, Gary D was like, listen, you're gonna have to get better. Like, we're good, but in order for us to win it or be as good, you're going to have to be that much better. We know what we got with Terrence, Book, Emmanuel Richardson, and Orlando and Tigre. But we need that guy, like that glue guy, that guy who's not afraid, who's going to do whatever it takes to win, take a charge, grab a rebound, and willing to accept, I mean, willing to sacrifice for the benefit of the team. And remember, I'm all about winning. Right. That's, a, that's the one thing growing up. I'm gonna win, I'm gonna figure it out and I'm gonna win one way or another. So that led me into my junior year. And again, but the crazy thing is, I went from being horrible to okay, freshman year. Then that sophomore year, I was pretty much became from a regular guy to the man on the team. Mm -hmm. Then I look up, it starts all over. On varsity, Terrence Wrench is an All-American. Book is a high major. Orlando Antigua is all American. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys are better than me. So, like, I was like, oh, man. So, now I got to figure out how am I going to stay on the floor?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How am I going to get playing time? So
1: that's what you, I mean, coming in, you're already scheming, like, all right, how, what are, what's missing here that I got to fill
2: the gap in? And these guys had, what is, two years of varsity under their belt. Right. right. So, but they also knew, like, wait a minute. This guy's pushing O in practice. He's doing this, this, and that. If this guy can average, um, That's yeah.
3: Sorry.
2: No, sorry. You turn it off. I need to turn it back.
3: Yeah, please, please do. Um,
2: so they was, so I was like, I was um, old and T, and they was like, yeah, we need you. Like we need you. Like they would encourage me give me confidence and talk to me and push me and push me and they was like in order for us to win we need you to perform like to do the stuff that they couldn't do and I didn't understand but one thing was I was always open-minded and willing to learn so I always would take experience from anybody who was older than me and use it to help you know my game so we're going along I'm now starting as a, on a, one of the top teams in the country as a junior. You know, I didn't get a, a lot of points, but that wasn't my role.
1: Was that, was that at the beginning of the season?
2: Beginning of the season. I wound up beating out. I forgot who I beat out okay. for the start. Oh, I think I might have beat out Carl Green for the starting spot.
1: So this Um, is your first year? uh, First year in
2: varsity, my junior year in high school. And
1: coming in, say that summer, you was looking like, all right, I'm probably not going to get that role. How do I figure out a way to compete for
2: it? Yeah, how do I get on the floor? Right. So I knew I had to do the same thing I did freshman year, Mm -hmm. but on a higher level, So which I figured that would be good enough. And I had a coach, a high school coach, who always kept us in the gym, always the skill work, and that's where I kind of – So once I got to varsity, I kind of learned what it really took to work out and to get better. Individual training, skill work, Mm -hmm. which is my high school coach, like after practice, before practice. Before, I had no clue what individual skill work was. And I worked hard. I worked really, really hard. And it paid off. And then I started getting a little name, a little buzz from um, high school. And then... Wind up having a great year, and that team, my junior year, was the first city championship in St. Raymond's history, 91. The next one,
1: I think, was in 97.
2: No, no, they won again in 93 after I left. But 91, my junior year, we played Bishop Lachlan in the city championship. Not only that, all of the hard work, I wound up getting a Lando missed a shot, and I got the offensive rebound to put it back. To win the game
3: My Junior
2: City Championship Nice that's And that's when Everybody started Giving me praise And respect in the city And all of that Like Naming the papers the whole Naming lot. the paper The articles And facing the picture And all of that And that was the beginning of Wow Like I could really do something With this nice. Like I could really Try to make a run Out of this
1: Wait before you continue yeah. mm-hmm. You got a question I do Go mm-hmm. oh, go
0: okay. So, my, so okay, I understand you're about winning, mm-hmm. but as you've developed through the summers, from freshman year to junior year, let's say, you're developing your game. Your confidence is growing. Do right. you feel like you're looking at the court, despite everyone else having two years' experience with us and you're just coming in the scene, mm-hmm. do you feel like your skill set, right, just skill set raw, mm-hmm. was better than those that may have gotten more favor as far as offensive end? Do you feel like you have to, you're sacrificing? Because you had that skill to, like, rebound and et cetera, but do you feel like you could do more?
2: Um, I think my junior year, they were more skilled than me. They had more experience. Okay. And I had to learn how to train to work out properly. Oh, I so I was willing, even though I, I was faster than all of the bigs and I could handle the better than all the bigs, but I wasn't as skilled as all of those guys. So, But practicing every day against Orlando, I learned, like, oh, wow, I got to put some work in. Right like to become one of the better players in the country and one of the best players in the city even though i was younger so they kind of taught me if you want to be good you have to learn how to work out properly and and that's what i think i took away from it and by the as a year went along i had some double figure games and i ended the year averaging maybe about 10 points a game but it helped me develop my confidence where it said, if I'm doing this now, and remember, I was the only underclassman starting. Everybody else was a senior. So, if I'm doing this now and everybody say, don't worry, your time will come. Next year, is going to be your team. Mm-hmm. So, I just, and I always had that in the back of my mind. That as long as I help and I'm productive, next year will be my year. Mm-hmm. To make, you know, make my noise and, you know, get my repu- develop my reputation around the country. So,
1: nice. so Bishop Lock, I want to take you just real quick back to the city championship game. Mm-hmm. Who was on
2: that Bishop Locke team? Because they've been also... A- they a- had... um, I, um, What's the big guy's name? Um, well, I know Sheldon Jefferson, who went to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Sherwin Anderson, who went to Xavier. Andre Riddick. They had a big guy, Andre Riddick, who went to Kentucky. Kentucky that was their team they had um it was two big guys but, but, but they that they had, had, had house, they yeah. had back then in that era everybody had division 1 players right. mm. it was stacked like everybody had at least four five division 1 players wow. that that was different back wow. that era
1: that's crazy what do you th- why do you think that is i mean we'll get into this cuz uh-huh. now you kind of have the other perspective, right, with what you're doing with the lightning. Like, you can see the difference. difference. What do you think is the most notable
2: Well, back then, there was only two AAU programs that were really relevant, which was Riverside and Gauchos. Mm -hmm. So, and most of the power... And the people who helped you develop and would get you the exposure was the high school coaches. So you had a St. Raymond's. You had a Rice High School. You had a Tolentown High School. You had an All We have four nationally ranked programs around the country. And back then in that era, the CHSA, the Catholic School League, was considered the toughest high school conference in the country. I mean, think about it. I go to Tolentown. Brian Reese, Red Autry McDonald's, All-Americans One that went to North Carolina One that went to Syracuse Or Hollows, They had um, What's the big guy? Um, Chanel Scott Which is They had So they was number one Number two in the country Then you had schools like Christ the King Kyle Reeves, All-American Derek Phelps, All-American Arizona, North Carolina Jamal Faulkner All-American I think he went to Arizona State. Then you had a school where, like, didn't have the best team and a player who came out of nowhere, Jamal Mashburn and
3: Cardinal Hayes.
2: These are all guys who played in the Catholic School League before me. Then in my era, you had Sheldon Jefferson, Shandu McNeil, Charles Jones, Jamal Robertson, uh, Jermaine Sunshine Smith, Kevin Simmons. Like, you know, all of the schools were loaded. Bam... Uh, at Bishop Lachlan, Robert, like everybody had like four or five D ones. Catholic school was just loaded.
0: What are they doing now? Because you're seeing the talent, you're seeing the youth, right? You see, what are they doing now? Because I, I just feel like my only comparison is like NBA back in the day in the '90s, where you had hmm. like Hall of Famers basically on every team. Like and that's not typical. Mm-hmm. Like Jordan, Bird, Johnson, everybody's a Hall of Fame. You could be all-star now. A Hall of Fame is a stretch. So mm-hmm. I'm comparing that to that. My question is, what do you feel like as far as just raw talent, ability, workability, do you feel like there's something that is different? than well, the, the, the one,
2: uh, I would say this is the difference. A lot of the better players are not staying in New York to go to school no more. Mm. See, back then Fresh we schools. all went to, yes, everybody's going to preps. since but back then, everybody was dying to go to Catholic school. And you still had the Lincolns, the Waltons, you had public schools that were pretty good. And remember, back then, also, you're talking about the 80s, the 90s, and the early 2000s when New York City was considered the mecca of basketball. Like, if you wanted to a player that was nice, you had to go to New York. And we had like some of the best guards. In the country, and college, and all over, so we were just feel like it was just so much talent that it was every college coach in America was in and out. The
1: magnifying glass was on New York.
2: It was on New York, but nowadays the rest of the country is caught up, and basketball is not as popular as it used to be. And you guys growing up as kids, and this is the one difference I tell everybody: if you want to know the difference. Even when you guys were kids, when you went to the park, wasn't it full? Flooded. Flooded. People playing basketball. Uh, yeah. And if you lost, how long would you have yeah. to wait?
0: Sometimes, Sometimes you didn't go home. play. Go home. So, so
2: basketball became the urban sport that all of the youth played. But nowadays, you go drive by any of the parks, most of them, majority are damn. empty. Yep. Like nobody's playing in the parks no more. Yeah. Like so, it was a city urban sport before. Now most of the players now coming from the suburbs, or the city kids are now given opportunities to go away to prep schools or high schools out of state that can develop them or give them a better opportunity. So a lot of the bet in the coaching. Put that thing on airplane bro. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead, go
1: ahead.
2: <laughs> the coaching is not the same also back then you had a Gary De Caesar, you had a Lou Mello, you had a Mo Hicks you had um, Gonzalez and the other coach at Talentine, you had Bobby Gonzalez? Bobby Gonzalez was at Talentine and actually the head coach on the women's side at Christy King was the head coach at Talentine. Okay. you had Kerry at Ohalos you had the legendary Jack Curran at Malloy you had Bob Lecky at Lachlan. Like, you had all of these great coaches in the Catholic School League. Now, you don't have the same level of coaching that you did back then, and they don't have the same level of talent. So now and then, you also don't have kids playing as much, like worship basketball. So all of that stuff has led to the decline in New York City basketball. Damn, that
0: makes so much sense just laid out a sad roadmap. it's kind of like the question i wish i didn't ask yeah. but you yeah, know right. because you know sometimes you wish you just didn't know but it's sad but it makes so much sense because I know as kids, though, although we didn't make it, you know, to college ball or NBA or anything, who, I, we fiend ball. I still fiend for ball. Yeah. Like you know, you, he fiended. We lived. We bled, we bled the game. We bled it. You know what I mean? But it's true. I don't see the the, the that, 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 that that grit for it, that fight, that zest for it. The like passion. For it. I, I I guess I took it for granted. That I, got, I guess I thought it would always be. You know what I mean? I always thought, mm-hmm. yo, we all love the game. We come from New York. But, man, man, what a sad, epic is
2: it over for us? Over uh, we've actually had some good <laughs> players. But the crazy thing is, if you look at all of the New York players across the country that go to different high schools and you put them here in New York, you would look at it differently. Okay. Like like the number top five player in the country right now, Cole Anthony, now goes to Oak Hill. Top 25, 30 player, uh, Kofi Cockburn, who was at um, Christ the King last year is at Oak Hill Kid Preston who was at OSL St. Benedict's but he lives in the area top 20 kid goes to Monteverde so a lot of the top players are leaving the city so we do have talent it's just because they don't go to the high schools, people don't really look at. They look at New York as being down. Then another thing is, there's so many AAU programs that the talent is spread out now, and it's not all put on one or two, three high-level teams like when I came up.
1: Got it. So the concentration has just been fragmented. So now it's harder for. It takes a lot away from the culture of the game in the neighborhoods, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. for instance, this disappointed me. And, and I know it's the way it is, but like yesterday, we got St. Ray's watching the the game against St. Peter's. And mm-hmm. uh, shout out, shout out, Peter Mulligan for yes. his absolutely of fame
2: congratulations touch. again, congratulations. Peter Mulligan. Yeah. So Hall of Fame. I,
1: I expected that to be a packed house. Yeah. And the so. Reason why I expected it is come, when we were growing up, when we went to St. Raymond. I felt like every single game was packed to the brim.
2: Oh, absolutely.
3: Absolutely.
1: And and I think the caliber of basketball is still high at St. Ray.
2: Now, question that you guys, when you were there, y'all was in the new gym, that's now? Yes. Yes. Oh, so y'all had no clue the old gym.
1: So, uh, my (laughs) last year was really when I started watching the games. Uh Uh-huh. That's when the new gym got finished. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they were still building it when when I was going to school.
0: Okay. But I had,
1: actually, I'm lying. I saw one game at the old gym.
2: It used to be standing room yeah. only yeah.
1: Wow. It that was, was
2: standing room only But I think Now it But see We can go so much further Then another decline Even in St. Raymond's In the culture is The emergence of social media The emergence of cell phones it Stagnated everyone Now the kids have So much other stuff to do So let's say When you're walking around You at a game All the kids are All on their phones They're more, they're doing stuff for likes. You know, they're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. They're more worried about who's looking at, we're on live. We're like, they're more worried about attention from everybody else than actual playing in the game.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so I do agree with that because the climate overall, that's what it is, right? Mm -hmm. But I still believe, like, for example, you have certain qualities you just can't teach. You just had it, and that it's just embedded in you, right? I say mm-hmm. that to say this. There's going to be distractions, especially for you. youth. You had distractions coming up. Correct. It doesn't look like social media. It could have been gangs outside. I don't know what it could have looked like. But Correct. Distractions nonetheless. And so my point being is, when you got it in you to be successful, like, when you want it, you mm-hmm. gonna. Like, that's just... Background music You know what I mean Like you're gonna get it I get it mm-hmm. But I don't get it Because at the same time Like yo, know, If you want something You go ahead and get it You don't, uh, uh, you don't well, sit around And make excuses You know well, what I'm
2: One saying? thing that's true But okay Look at the pros And look at everybody So like let's say A kid right now You go to gym You work out mm-hmm. How often could you see A kid who's working out By himself with somebody For hours straight Not go to his phone
1: That's real I Can't
2: he can't, like, it's, it's, it's like a, a drug. Like, he has to see it is a drug. what likes he has or who called him or That's who's right. looking for him. That's or right. can he post his video right. on social media or guys posting their workout. That's Everybody right. got to see it. That's so, to me, it takes away the focus. See, if you don't have a phone, then you just worried about working out. There's nobody to worry about. It's just you, the gym, the rim, whoever's passing you the ball, you're not distracted. But if your idols and the people you're looking at, all of the NBA guys, you go on social media, they're tweeting, posting stuff all day. They're on the way to the game, what they got on, oh, Snapchat. So all of the kids, the culture has changed. And remember, we're a copycat society, mm-hmm. so you look at what your peers or your heroes are doing. Right. So, like, perfect example, even back in the day, guys would work out. We had, like, what is it, um, Walkmans. Yeah. You don't see guys working out with a headphone that beats, earbud, and just working out, shooting up, but that's the culture. Look at NBA preseason games. You see guys with headphones or earbuds or whatever working out pregame, listening to music. So now it's like sports has become more than that, so now I got to listen to music before I train, doing my workout. But when you're playing in a game, you're not listening to no music. It's not your favorite song. There's no like, okay, but. So now kids, they want to work out with music. They want people to record. Look, I made 10 in a row. So I think the focus is just different. Yes. And remember, what most kids don't understand, you guys know that. The chances to make it to college and to the pros is slim to none. That's
3: real.
2: So imagine how much better you have to be than the average person to, to have a chance to make it. How much work you got to put in. Like back to, so I never told you so. I had to put in so many hours to catch everybody who was playing ball from eight, nine, 10 years old just to get on the same level. Mm -hmm. Then once I got to that level, I said, that's not enough. Mm. That's still not enough. If I want to go to a division one school or become a professional athlete, playing basketball, whether NBA overseas. So you have to put in two three times more than the next person just to have a chance to make it
0: yeah but see this is what i i'm impressed because you've had that hunger Mm -hmm. you reach your plateau you still have hunger where is this all coming from like i feel like you're growing Mm -hmm. and growing and growing and growing your own self like you're maturing your own self like i don't know how to explain it better than that but you're growing yourself like no i want better i want i'm Where is all this coming from, man? I
2: think, like what you said, the one thing I had as a youth was the competitive nature. Always to strive to be the best at whatever it is I do. Mm -hmm. Like, and that mentality has basically escorted me in life. No matter what I did, play a sport, run a program, work on Wall Street, trading, having a conversation, recruiting kids, talking to parents. Like, you always want to be the best you. And if you settle for less then you won't be successful. So the only thing I try to teach kids, you have to focus on being the best you. And if you always worry about being the best you at whatever you do, at least try to be the best. Mm -hmm. And so if I don't make it, I'm not successful, at least when you walk away you can say, I gave it my all. And if you're not successful in that, chances are with that mentality, you're gonna find something where that same energy is going to work. Yeah. You just have to use the guidance and intuition to get to that point and find that whatever it is your calling is. And once you reach that calling, you'll know. Let
1: me ask you, did you grow up in a two-parent household?
2: Most of my life. Okay. Most of my life. Years. I was- Probably, like, up until eighth grade, when I got to ninth okay. grade. Then, you know, mostly my father. Okay. So, but... The crazy thing is those four years was probably just my father because he got remarried in college. It taught me to really, the blue collar work ethic, like, you got to figure this out. Mm. Or like, do you, do you want to wind up living and settle for the environment that you came from? Is that enough or do you want more? Can you, like what people say, how do I make it out of the hood? Yeah. Is, it, is it just a dream? or foregone conclusion or can a dream become a reality through hard work and I was one of the ones who I listened to people who made it before me if you put in the work you can make it out of here Mm -hmm. and then it becomes like it's crazy like in college when I say so let's say me and you on the court my thing is the ball goes up who wants it me or you I'm getting that ball I don't care if I got to break your leg or your arm and you say I'm doing whatever, but at the end of the day, that ball belongs to me. I'm getting that. I don't know if you're built for this, like, understand, like, like you would hear the expression back in the days, if I don't win, I can't eat.
3: Right. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: So if I'm not successful and I don't win, then I can't make it. I won't reach success. So that mentality has driven, drove me throughout my whole life as far as Always wanting to be better than the next one.
1: You know, I, I asked the question about the parent, the two-parent household, simply because in, in our environments you mm-hmm. tend not to see that be consistent, so mm-hmm. especially like in the younger t- you know, times of kids' lives. Mm-hmm. One of those parents is, is typically missing, unfortunately. Right?
2: Well, the one thing that also, like you said back, my parents had to work so much. They didn't really have time to come watch me play. They were working. So, therefore, I wasn't a kid in the stands that's always looking to see Mm -hmm. if my mom's a pop, somebody yelling. It was nobody there. Mm -hmm. So, it was like, you got to figure this out. So, my father, I would come home, man, the coach ain't playing me. Coach don't like me. I'm not calling the coach. I don't have no, you better figure it out. You got to go outside at night, which I did, shoot 200 shots at 12 in the morning. Dark, pitch black, nothing out there. Wow. I got to figure it out.
0: Yo, but you know it's the movie? Yeah, that's dope. That's Yo, a movie. That is a movie. <laughs> that reminds me of, um, I'm just sidetracked real quick. I'm. B- b- uh-huh. with me. Glenn Rice, uh, NBA player, Yes. I, re- I saw a little bit of his documentary years ago, and he would do that. He would purposely go out midnight at night to shoot. So that his jumper would be perfect. If you, if you could shoot in the dark, you, could shoot you can in sleep there. in the light. So that right mm-hmm. there is perfect. But um, so my God, I'm so I'm excited because so what I'm seeing here is that I think a lot of the youth today is spoiled in a lot of senses. Absolutely. Because what I find from him is like that eat or like succeed or die. Mm-hmm. I ain't hearing that nah. here. Nah. I don't even think they understand what I just said. <laughs>
2: That's I mean? tr- but it's not being taught no more that's, that's
0: but, but, awesome. no, but, but hold on real quick. to my last point my point about it is yesterday we went to the St. Raymond game I'm talking to the youth there was a JV um, um, student there that I, I was looking at I was like "Yo, yeah, you got so much potential but he riding the bench he blaming the coach and everything granted like I get it there's a lot of there's a lot of obstacles to overcome I get it I see him on the bench I see I'm asking what is your goal here like what do you want do you want to get better? He said, oh, I just want to play a little
2: bit. I said, what is your goal? He never
0: answered me. Didn't have a goal. He got me. He got me. I still got a question. I got a question marks. <laughs> I'm the one with the question marks. What do you mean? You don't know, do you, What do you
2: want? Oh, you know it's do you crazy. you want
0: to average four points? Five points? What
2: I is got, it? I got a line that you just said. One thing that always my father better than me, one line that I always say to this day that he told me when I was a teenager, if you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. That's mm-hmm.
1: That's a T-shirt. You know what's so funny? <laughs> True.
0: Oh my God! I remember in the eighth grade, we went to St. Dominic. Until I, um, a teacher of mine, which I can't remember who, had that on like one of the borders. You know those yeah, those borders. Yeah, around the blackboard. I can't remember which teacher, but to this day, it's like a photographic memory. Like it comes up to me, like when I'm like catching myself slipping. I'm like, oh shit!
2: But and you know when growing up in a in an urban community, and this is my father also added <laughs> that if you don't have a plan. Somebody else has a plan for you. Right. So, like, uh, just think about this. About All right, we go outside. Yo, what you doing? Shit, yeah. I ain't doing shit. I ain't got nothing. All right, come with me. Come for a ride. Yo, I'm going to get in. Shit, you ain't doing nothing right now. Fuck it. I go with you. Then you wind up getting into something that you wasn't because you wasn't thinking. You just like, I ain't doing nothing. Yeah. You just, just going wherever life takes you. Oh, that's like
1: Ice Cube and Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got no job. You ain't got, you shit, you ain't to got go. shit to
2: do. You ain't got shit to do. But then you wind up doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing just because you don't take the time to plan and strategize to, you know, take life serious and plan out short. And that's the difference in goals, short term goals and long term goals that you have to plan. If you don't do it, somebody else will basically be your downfall Mm -hmm. because like most people are smart, like like even women like, okay. Nice guy Got a lot of potential He don't really know What he's doing Or going on But you know what I could work with this
1: mm-hmm. I could shape him I could shape something.
2: him Into the man That he never knew He could be right. And, and there's, that's why I say Always women are Smarter than men Definitely. Men don't think that way They don't We don't plan We don't have goals And we don't write them down And we don't Try to continue If we fall or fail We just quit mm-hmm. We don't learn To just You fall down, keep going. And if you don't plan, like I said, and even in life, oh, I'm going to college. Shoot, when nobody in my family went to college, well, if I go to college, I have a better opportunity in life to maybe get a job. Why, I never thought about it. Because a lot of kids in the hood, they figure, I'm not making it out of here anyway.
3: Right.
2: It's three ways out of here. Right.
0: That's so sad. And And, and
2: that's the, like, even Biggie and people would say, it's three ways out of the hood. Sling drugs. You rap or you got a wicked jump shot. (laughs) And that's all we knew. That's right. That's all we knew. So my thing was, okay, I'm not a hustler because my father whipped my behind. If I hustle and I got him some stuff, I really wasn't a rap. I just wasn't that type of dude. So I said, hey, it's only one other choice. But. Nobody taught me nowadays what I teach the kids, shoot, you got a better chance to be a doctor, lawyer, right. a Hollywood producer, whatever the case may be, to be a basketball player or rapper or, you know, drug dealer who, that's a short window Short window of success. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I mean, I think that, so, I think the beauty is, is across the board, you have certain qualities that you're going to instill in these, these children, these students, these athletes that... They're going to go on for life. Regardless, like, you use those qualities, you're going to be successful somewhere anyway. Regardless, they transfer. You know?
2: Oh, but you know what? One thing, I have to go back a little. Something I thought about my mom you were saying. What's the difference? Back then, okay. my parents was able to whip my behind, right. put their hands Holy. on me, and straighten transform. me up. Nowadays, you can't put your hand or you got to be careful on what you say and how you approach somebody, or you can get it locked up, or you can get a charge on your record. So now our society has become a soft society. Very so like right now, let's say if you went to the supermarket, you could see kids carrying on, giving yeah, their parents yeah. hell. Yo, ah, nah, 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 and nah, nah, it's nah. nothing that they can do, yeah. and you're at the mercy of your child. Let
0: me tell you something, man. Listen, listen, let me tell you, you something. You're right. You're right. <laughs> it's crazy. No, but let me tell you something. I've been educated for 15, 12 years. I've seen it. I'm not going to say I've seen it all, but I, damn, I think I've seen it all. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But one thing I know for sure, discipline is discipline is discipline. If you got your kids, because you kids are going to try to get away with murder. My brother's, a, he's a father. You know what I'm, mm-hmm. saying, no, I'm talking about. That. You don't have to whoop your child behind, but they can still get the hint. Don't test me. Because I might. I told my kids one time. I said, let me tell you something. Ain't nobody you're you going to meet in this world crazier than me. All right?
3: Mm-hmm. There, ain't, there ain't
0: no. Don't look. I'm it. I'm the craziest mom that there is. Don't push me to that limit. Let's keep it right here. Oh, we're going to go somewhere you ain't ready for. You got to it, Still a little fear in
2: them, you baby. You got to.
1: but they scared to your point.
2: See, like, the thing they're is, you to have to convince but that's them. But
0: your, that's your child. I can't conceive man? the notion of
2: your child running that house. I can't but do. a lot of, but now you got to also look at it this me. way. All right. You work. You have a job. How much time outside of the weekend do you actually have to spend with your child? Like, yeah. I just seen a movie, right? And it was touching. I think it was called... Um, it was a movie with the girl whose boyfriend gets killed. Her name is Star.
1: Uh, oh, The
2: Hate We the Give. The Hate We Give. It's a
1: great and
2: game. that's the movie, and it was a line in the movie when it was like, we was 10 years old, and our father gave us that talk. And I'm sitting here like, shit, I never even gave my kids that uh, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how hard that conversation is. So basically, he's, he's talking about being prepared for potential police brutality
1: but like put your hand
2: on it like knowing if you're in this situation it could could happen never not saying it will happen right. but to prepare and let them know society this stuff really does exist
0: yeah but i mean to be fair to yourself i mean that's mm-hmm. not something that you we didn't want to normalize it we assume you're a good law-abiding citizen things will work out. I mean, that's the assumption. Like you, you do, you do, you walk on that narrow, you should be all right. That's the assumption. You don't think that you're protecting, guard yourself or your family to something that, that happens in particular
3: to our community.
2: But you now don't it, think that. But you now, don't think, that everything is on TV. You see the videos, you see, you see it, they see it. It's on YouTube, video, social media, it's everywhere that sometimes like my wife is a little bit more different. You, She's basically like fearful for a minority male mm-hmm. walking around not knowing it could happen. Yeah. So that being said, but I mean as a father, and like, okay, then now another thing, i I have a son that's eighteen. I have two daughters, thirteen and nine. So now, I mean, I is
1: this whole is daughter named Dana?
2: No, uh okay. Anaya and Saraya. But So now I got to deal with that stuff with the mail, and now I'm going on with this R. Kelly thing. Oh,
3: Oh, so shit. So my
2: daughters nine and thirteen. So I'm like, shit. I got to talk to them and like worry about the wrong dude get a hold of them and
3: corrupt their their mind, Mm
2: -hmm. turn them out, and it won't end well for them. So so and it's like I didn't even know. So now it's like plus I have to figure out how to you know, work and survive, pay the bills and give them a better life than I had. Yep. Plus I have to keep them prepared for life, even though they walk around with blinders and they don't understand. Yep. But it's like sometimes you don't want to give them too much information. Sometimes it's it
1: could backfire.
2: Backfire. Mm-hmm. So it's like you it's a fine line, like what can I say that's not too much?
1: Yeah, because you don't want to grow them up too fast. I yeah. Gotta, gotta, it
2: has to be it's it's, it's it's so hard, and then your son, so now he's going out to a club or party. He's with friends, like, drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. The cops stop y'all, pull you over. Like, how you supposed to act? Or now, remember, we grew up in a time where there was no phones, no recording. So, like, if I had a girl, I said something, whatever, it was just me and her. Right. Nowadays,
3: it's you, you like got to be
2: careful world. What you say and what you do And if somebody's videoing you Like it could be the end of your career So now society And technology has changed us So now I'm so thankful That I'm not growing up in that area It's made us lazy And it's given us more confidence Cockiness So now people What you say I'm recording you I'm recording. You go ahead. Keep talking yeah. to me like this. Yeah. Rather than before, you be like, what? You got a problem? Whatever. Right. Let's handle That's it. Nice. Like, or you're going to be running. Like, right. and I'm going to catch you. I'm not going to catch you. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Right. You can't go to cops and, oh, man, he's going to beat mm-hmm. me up. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, is, is any witnesses? Yeah. Any proof? Nah, but he said that. Why would I lie? Oh, come on, man. Yeah. Nobody's trying yeah. to get <laughs> <laughs> But now, you yeah, video on this definitely. guy saying that he's going to, next time I see you, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. Right. I mean, so now, a- like, perfect example, this is crazy. Like what you said about disciplining your kids, putting a fear, you don't do this, I'm going to shake you, or you're going to be on punishment, this, this, and that. Or I'm going to spank you a little behind, in my, you know, within my own home. My daughter was like six, seven years old. She said, "Um, if you hit me, I could call 911. No.
0: <laughs> wait, wait, your daughter
2: said that? At six, she was in first grade. Oh. And so I said to myself, Wait a minute, if a six year old is being told or taught this, I don't have a chance.
1: That's day one. In so the first now, day. as a
2: parent, I have to so, learn so how to adjust fail, just fail. to discipline my kid. So now we live in a, a, a system that, okay, most kids I know, my discipline is you take away the electronics. They re- like, you ever seen some a kid you took away their phone? They're literally ready to fight you or whatever. Hey, oh,
0: sorry. hey, hey on, and yeah, you know what you do? You turn it around on. You take the electronic,
3: when they want to fight you, you put Record. your phone up. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Here's
1: I would I would to take it back because we didn't get to finish your senior year. Okay. We got to the beginning. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, so no, no, my, this is great. no. This, this is, great. is great. So
2: my senior year, back to my senior year. We were coming in as a preseason top 25. But now, Dana Dingle, top five in the city, top 50, 60, 75 in the country. Now there's real expectations. Now people are not saying you're a bum. You're not that good. Oh, he's that nice. Let me see what he's really got. Uh, So now you had
1: a target on your back.
2: I had the target on my back. The double teams is coming. Wow! Like you're on a scouting report. They're like the dudes is on the layup line looking like. Checking you out. Ain't that nice? (laughs) Bust his ass. (laughs) (laughs) So, but but the thing was, see, I wasn't a shit talker. So all of this stuff I'm telling you, I learned. I was a dude that was tough but you didn't know until you played against me. Like, or if you was from my neighborhood. So I was, the crazy thing is most people tell you knew like, I was considered a quiet kid. I didn't really talk, mm-hmm. I didn't, cause the way I grew up there's like just action. action. Like don't even say nothing. Right. Somebody want to fight, whatever, then you, you know, you let them know. And don't it. don't instigate it, whatever, or somebody say you gonna bust your ass, you bust his ass and let your plan do the talking. So I would listen to all of that, but they didn't know it would rile me up. Oh, he's a bum. He ain't that big. He ain't that nice. All right, word. <laughs> I'm saying in my head, I'm looking. and like, why is this dude grilling me? Because right. he's talking like he don't know. Now, before, I was going to have a good game, but now I want to embarrass him. Destroy. I want to destroy this dude.
1: He lit your fuse.
2: And then after the game, you know, I would kill it like, damn, dude is kind of nice. I thought he was skinny. I didn't know he could do that. And they're like, dang, like, I remember, now remember my senior year, I'm going against guys who were the man. freshman year, sophomore year. Remember, freshman year, I wasn't even on anybody's top 300, 400 players in New York City. I was nobody. So I remember, though, all of the guys who were number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like, I remember them. And they remember, like, damn, I used to bust his ass. Now he's busting my ass.
1: They would tell you
2: this? They would, like, say that later on, man, like, you used to kick my ass, but I remember freshman year. <laughs> I had you. And you had me. And I was like, so, but the crazy thing is, like, with this sports, it's just a, a cycle that always repeats itself. So as, th- as soon as, like, I had a great senior year, we wound up losing in the final four of the city championship. We might have had three or four losses, lost one game in New York, lost to the number one team twice Baltimore Dunbar um, we beat Jason Kidd's team and we lost to Jason Kidd's team we beat Rashid Wallace and Red Smith and all of them we beat everybody we were high as number two in the country wow. uh, we beat everybody but well, I think we ended top 25 but so through all of that I mean we should have won a city championship with all the talent we had but for whatever reasons some of the kids on the team felt hey, I could do whatever against these guys in New York Mm. that I wasn't getting the ball like Mm. I was supposed to, and we wound up losing. But it was a learning experience. So I did all of this. I had like 15, 20, 25 offers. Narrowed my list down to 10, 11, went on three, four visits. And then I started college. And as soon as you think you coming in, I was the man. Come to college, yo, I was 25, 15. Ten, I averaged twenty and ten assists, and I averaged thirty and five. And you look around like shit. Everybody was the man on it.
3: Wait, wait, wait. I want. I want you to go back because
1: one thing, especially nowadays, because your coach is John Calipari. Right? Yes. You hear the history and the legend. I mean, the guy has done amazing work throughout mm-hmm. the collegiate ranks, and where he's at in Kentucky. I mean, you, you got to tip your hat to this guy. Yes. I'm always interested about. How that recruitment process mm-hmm. takes place, especially because, like, I mean, he was—I think when you got there, he was probably like five, six years in. I think as coach. Uh, uh UMass. yeah,
2: UMass, yes, he He's was just starting. Late eighties. Well, actually, say. Jim McCoy was his first class, so Jim McCoy graduated before me, so right. he was ago. four to five years in. Yes. Right.
1: So that's his—I call it early in his like, you know, career, coaching career, coach career. Coll- collegiate coaching career. Mm -hmm. how did he recruit you and you had a list of 25 potential offers that you could have taken what made you go from 25 to say three or four and then you asked be the one
2: well the one thing cal did which he's still great at now he's always a man of a vision and he knows what he wants and he knows what you're capable so he would lay it out well hey this is what you're capable of and this is where up-and-coming program. Remember, when I went to UMass, nobody really in New York even heard. I mean, granted, historians know Dr. J went to UMass. That's it. Everybody knows just Dr. J There's went to
0: There's a huge through. gap, anyway, between I
1: 72, maybe?
2: I don't even remember. like yeah. that. So people are like, so I'm like, wow, okay. He's like, listen, we're going to turn this thing around, whether you with us or not, but you could be a part of this. And it's not too far from home, but it's far enough away from your hood and all of this stuff, and it's nice up here. And I got some guys that's like you. Got guys from, you know, the hood in Atlantic City, Lou Rowe, hood in Connecticut, um, Mike Williams. He later on got Canby, My boy Dante Bright from Baltimore, top five. So he wound up getting a bunch of dudes, but the one thing that he was smart and he was good at he got a bunch of guys who we were under-recruited. We were better, so like the dudes to Kentucky's, the North Carolina, the Kansas, like those schools thought we weren't good enough. Ah. So,
0: under- so he
2: basically used that leverage to get a kid motivated, but, so it was a bunch of dudes like me. Mm-hmm. So when I got this, so he basically but the one thing is he let us play. As long as we played hard and went hard, he gave us our freedom. So he wasn't on our back policing us, this, this, and that, but he let us play, and, you know, he let us hang out as long as we was ready to play and practice and go hard. That's all he cared about. As long as you guys give me your all, and eventually we're going to turn this around because yes. we're going to get the right players. And remember, Cal was in his early 30s. He was mm-hmm. a young
1: dude, yeah.
2: And But he was – and the crazy, and another thing is Cal was similar to my high school coach. Which I didn't see my high school coach. And the crazy thing is, and these are two guys from a basketball perspective as far as development and knowledge of the game. I had two of my mentors and a, the best two, a high school coach and a college coach that anybody could ever have. But they were both tough dudes. They would motherfuck you all the time (laughs) and get in your face and try to get in your head. And they also helped. So I was tough. But dealing with those guys, I became so tough that I could deal with whoever.
0: When you say a high school
3: coach, are you talking St. Raymond? St. Raymond's, Gary the season. Okay, okay.
2: And so, but this is the crazy thing. By Gary D being so tough on me, it prepared me for college. So when Cal was tough, he was like, how come you're not breaking? Like, mm-hmm. you're able to tell you. I'm like, high school coaches talk all that same foolishness too. So, but Cal was good at trying to figure out. It was always like, you know how, like, no matter how strong you are, you got one weak spot. It's something in your chink of armor that I have to. Cal was good at figuring that out for each individual. This is what separates Cal. So, if you notice, the reason why his teams are successful he coaches each player individually. Yeah. Yeah. He knows with their weakness, what motivates them, what gets them upset, and how to reel them in, and, and all of that stuff. He's an expert in that, and that's why he's had so much success. and And he's great, and he's a great coach, great motivator. And the one thing now, like, he's actually stays in touch with his coaches, and he, I mean, players, and he wants the best for them. So that's why he's a players' coach. Yeah. Which is different A lot of other people just business, business, business right. So if you listen to the difference of Cal When he goes into a recruit now He said, listen You could be a pro Or you're going to be a pro Let's just come in here One year do what you got to do And go get your money yeah. Unlike everybody So it's like How could I help you get to your money Right Rather than other people saying This is what you can do to help me Get a raise and help the university right. So his thing is To help the kid Growing up in whatever the situation to help him take care of himself and his family as fast as possible. Which
1: is which is I mean, one one way to look at it is that's great, you're helping these kids achieve their dreams, they're talented enough, you just give them that extra push for that year to get to where they need to go. The other side of the coin is you could easily build an unsustainable track record Mm -hmm. for that university that you work at and basically put yourself in jeopardy
2: as a coach. Yeah, it's not realistic. Like, even now, Kentucky, everybody expects him to have the number one recruiting class, yeah. championship, but it's not realistic no. because you, you can't sustain that level, which now now Coach K and Duke has got a couple yeah. of those great classes because at the end of the day, you can't get them all. Right. But he's playing with freshmen and sophomores all of the time. Back when we won, we were juniors and seniors. Right.
1: Whole different ball. It was game.
2: a whole different ball game. So if he was able to have like juniors and seniors, he would probably wouldn't lose. But right now, today, you don't go to Kentucky to build, to stay there for three, four years. Right. You go to Kentucky to be a pro in one or two yeah. years. One and done.
0: You know what? But that same token, like to, to my brother's point, is I feel like at the end of the day, you know, the, the climate of basketball has changed, right? Like, I've never seen, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I have never seen a, a coach, college coach, be invited to an NBA draft, right? Ever. John um, Calipari. He
2: goes to every draft.
0: John Calipari lives in there.
2: Because he, his players love him because he's a players coach.
0: Right, but so, so yeah. I say all that to say this, right? Even though he cannot get all of the recruits, right? For a long time, I thought he handcuffed it. He has some magic trick up his sleeve that we ain't know about. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> well,
1: I heard Orlando was one of his pit bulls back in the day. Oh really? Recruiting
2: now he has some. NFL. He has some good assistant coaches who understand what he wants and needs, right. and they're able to recruit on a high level.
0: I will say this though. I, they were interviewing on ESPN uh, about a last year or two years ago, and I, one thing I respect sorely about was he said, "My real work starts in the off season." Mm-hmm. Yes. All these X's and O's, these are cool. I start working when the season's over.
2: As soon as the last game, take a week off and he said, "Who are we recruiting? That's who we need next year? Right What's our team gonna look I like?" Said, you know what? Let's
0: leave this man alone. But the if one he is cheating. Let the man cheat. Nah, well,
2: <laughs> but remember some of the some up. of the principles <laughs> that I said. Right. Cal lives on. If you don't have a plan, you plan to fail. No, it, it, this, okay. like this thing never ends. You have to be on to the next recruit before this guy's even out the door. You got to be almost escorting somebody in the door. Well, mm-hmm. you know
0: what it is. The reason I, I came up with again, I'm a fan outside looking at. It. I had no inside mm-hmm. knowledge whatsoever. But the reason why I'm saying all that is because for a long time, his every class or every school he was in seemed like they had the best recruiting class every single year. So for me, I, I can't appreciate it from now. now, now that I'm listening to it now, like, I get it. But now, it's, at the time, I'm like, yo, you need know, telling me every
3: single, single
0: high school player is always, always looking at John Calipari. When we catch K.H.K.U. Okay, we had,
3: we had, we had, and know what I'm saying, so, so, so,
0: even if they all chose one of those schools each, I get it.
2: But now you know what's crazy? What's a better way for you to understand it? Did any of you guys see Cal's Hall of Fame induction? How many <laughs> did, was Cal on stage by himself? How many people did he have on stage? He had all the, he invited everybody to come and enjoy his basically his big experience in his life. And everybody came and when he got his award... He brought everybody That's like so without crazy. you guys I never would have did this.
1: John can, can I be honest? Very little things move me to the point of shedding a tear. Mm-hmm. That was one of the and,
2: Damn, and you man. had to Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's how true. many coaches you ever seen do that? Like you got like he actually admitted the millions and millions of dollars that I got and I made without you guys this would have never been possible. I got to watch that again. You guys actually helped me build my life. Mm-hmm and now I'm going to have, you know, different ways I try to give back and help you guys, and that's real. Because in this culture, in this day, a lot of coaches it's all business. Yeah. Oh, of course. It's I'm all business. It. What can you do to help me win games, and that's it? Not how could I help better your life and, you know, put you to, in a position that you're successful. And, and that's the sad that the sport has become so much of a business now.
0: So to make two quick points. First of all, I always think it, it was always a sport because NCAA always been a, sp- it's a uh, excuse me, a business. It's always been a business. It's always about making money
2: for the NCAA. For the NCAA, right. which is a big, you know, yeah. big it's business. It's point, so I get it. Mm-hmm.
0: But my thing is, like, as far as John Calipari, first of all, I feel like he started the one and done trend. You know what I mean? Like he was kind of like the, he's he's what it is. He's he's the got the point
1: after
2: that. Everybody right. started to try to emulate him and be like him. Right. Even though initially. You heard everybody killing him. He's was killing oh. college basketball. Yeah, I, I he's was those wrong, those what's like yeah, this. Yeah. What he's doing is hey, not right it's, right. right. it's wrong. It's it's not good for the university. Yeah. But in the end, how many kids' lives did he change yeah. from rags to riches overnight? Tons.
0: tons, But you know, so so okay. So to bring up my point is mm-hmm. with that. Resume that he has for himself, for the, the stockpile of players all over the place in the NBA and so successful. I'm sure many that we haven't even heard about, right? Mm-hmm. Just that alone, that track record alone, he should always get the top recruits. Like, I don't see why I would now. If I'm right now, if I'm coming out of high school, mm-hmm. I'm looking at John Perry because his track record. So I don't care. Track if record
2: he ch- speaks for itself.
1: Last self. year, I don't care. I mean, kids have different needs too. Yeah. To He's not for
2: everybody. every. But another thing Calipari. is okay. that. There's also haters.
3: Right. People
2: people who don't like Cal. I get it. Or people who root against him. Yeah. Like so they are pushing other kids and telling them why they shouldn't go to Kentucky, why they shouldn't play for Cal. So that's why now like coach K and other guys are starting to get these kids because you know the more success you have, the more haters are drawn out. And you got to look at that. Like he probably has more haters than he has people wishing that he do well. That's a good point, man. And that and that the crazy thing is that's in anything in life. Like the more successful guys you have, the more negativity. This guy's about this. He ain't no good. I seen him this, this, and that. Don't let him fool you. He's, you know, he's just fronting in front of the camera. You know, like that, like, and that's and that's the culture that we live in. But, it's almost like people say, is it better to be loved or hate? Right. But for me, it's like a combination. Mm-hmm. But, and one thing in my business, in grassroots and AAU, I learned, you know when you know you're successful, when you got a bunch of people who dislike you or hate on you. Yes. That's when you know you're doing something right or you're successful.
0: Yeah, to piggyback off that point, I was, uh, I was doing a show in Queens. I spoke with a poet, uh, performing. There was a lady that was being featured, right? She gets on stage, she's rapping and singing, she's talented as heck. One of her songs, she's talking, she said, if you doing something, right, and you ain't got nobody hating you, you're doing it wrong.
2: Yep, <laughs> so absolutely I right. So I look at that, because
0: when I we really grew up, you know, all we would hear about is haters, you know, the, you know, B.I.G. and Mace and everybody, you know, talking about playing haters and all that stuff. And I'm like, damn, like, you're, you're, it made me mad. Like, why are you hating, you know? Why are you hating? But now I'm like, yeah, you know what, it's all right. I'm, I'm, think about it, if you are on the court busting ass, you know someone hate you? Yeah, you should, brother. You
1: busting their ass. I'm busting your
0: so ass. Hate But yours. you
2: know what the craziest thing, that I tell people, just think about let this sink in. Have you ever met a hater that's doing oh. better than you?
3: No. Oh, that's a
0: fact. Oh, Ooh. shake your hand, hand.
1: Get <laughs> out there with your wisdom, yo. But that's you know what? That's, that's camera close enough. That's, that's good <laughs> counter hate perspective. I love that, like, just because haters tend to get you to they get you. upset Radom. with what you
2: got Man. and they jealous of what you got and right. they think That's that they so should brilliant. be you or have or entitled to what you got yes. or if they were you they would be doing the better. same thing or better
0: yes always better mm. oh. oh my god but a guy
2: who's more successful has more money has you know has been blessed in life for a number of different things he was like you know what congratulations you. I see you you doing well keep it up yep. like don't settle just right. continue right. to build right. Right. he's gonna right. say you know what you might be doing a little bit better, but you know, you earned it. But he's so, and that's the one thing I learned like your peers and the people on your level, mm-hmm. they're never going to hate on you.
3: Yeah. yeah. Because
2: they, they know, know it takes. and they understand you did the work. Right.
3: That's right.
2: You put the work in. You ain't going to get to this level without putting the work in. That's real. Right. And that's the one thing is, but haters don't respect that. Right. They all think it's politics. Right. You're only in position because somebody put gave you in position.
0: Oh, gave it to you and you ain't earning it. Yeah
2: absolutely nobody sees that the workouts that you up to three four in the morning editing five in the morning you getting one two hours sleep nobody sees that like and i even use some of the quotes from 50 cents like i say where he says sleep is for rich folks (laughs) 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 (laughs)
3: like
2: you got it that means you got to keep grinding you got to keep going until you make it
0: my thing is like And I And you.
2: Janet Jackson She would say And Beyonce It's days that they go Without even eating They so hungry And want success So bad But that's the crazy thing Is like you think about When you really zone in well, man, exactly. Focus You forget to eat mm-hmm. You forget to drink Like you forgot Because you're so zoned On being successful That that's secondary You're not going to die if you don't eat today or not drink, but you might not have this opportunity today to become successful.
0: You know, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with uh, I think that the youth movement now being like complacent and not having that hunger that I was describing you have. Mm I feel like it's like those who want it, it's no holds barred. Like I'll go to the moon and back. You know, I'm sure we all have tons of friends and people that we've known over the years that have just been very complacent. Like, I'm gonna share my own personal story if I may, just, so I, exact, just so I can make it make sense. So, as you know, I have a book out, I had to put countless hours of editing. I did my own editing, my own, I mean, just to have the book. But I want it so bad that, yo, if I got to flip a truck over, it's gonna happen because this has got to come out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I'll put, so now I'm in the summertime, sweltering six hour days editing. I ain't never edited nothing in my life, but I thought we gonna figure it out. You know what I'm saying? But because now- you want it so bad, though. But now I got people who I put in position to, to, to sidetrack. I'll tell them, hey, man, you want to go do something? But it's in Queens. I'm, a, I'm in the Bronx, mind you. You want to come over? Nah, man, that's too far.
2: That's too far.
0: I'm like, yo, there ain't nothing too far for success. I don't care if I got to go to the moon. Where's that? What? You want to take this road? Because like what are we doing? So let's be comfortable?
2: Because they don't understand your struggle. They don't Mm -hmm. understand your struggle and your sacrifice and how bad do you want it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, one of my, the motivational guy, Eric Thomas. Oh, yeah. You ever see how bad do you want it? Yeah. Like, how, like, really how bad. And the crazy thing is most people only want success because it sounds good.
3: Right. Or they want
2: the glitz, the glamour, the money. But they don't want to put the work in. That's real. Like, if you say, okay, I'm going to give you, five hundred dollars, then now you're like, oh okay, I'll right. go. Now but but if you said I'm teaching you if you go from here to here and why are you dropping this stuff off from meeting people, you're able to network right. and possibly meet somebody who's gonna put you in position to be successful. Thank How much you. is that worth to you?
1: Yeah oh that's, that's <laughs> we don't meet all, all night. <laughs> we'll <do this> all <laughs> night. <We're laughs>
3: but most people
2: <laughs> <laughs> most people don't understand that. So they look like this dude trying to get me to go do his work yeah. right. while he do it. Right. I ain't no fool. He ain't giving me nothing. Or no. well, he probably making XYZ for me going to do this mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at it the benefit of them doing it. And this is the problem with what you said, why people always look at the negative aspect rather than the positive. It's like the saying is a glass half full, or half empty. Yeah. Like to me, it's always half empty. Yeah. Like you might say, "Well, it's half full." Nah, it's still at least fifty more percent that can go in there. Mm-hmm. I'm thirsty. You know, you know, so funny, <laughs>
0: thirsty, You know, as a youth, I would have because I've always used to say half full. But the reason I say that is because I, I was thinking that that question was posed to to know if you were a pessimist or an optimist. Mm-hmm. T- typically, it is. Uh, typically. But now, when you look at it from that perspective, it's like this is we, more we got go winded. There. There's more. And there's more. We got. There's more to go. There's yes. We can give to to, to fill this cup. I didn't think of it from that. Actually, to this point I'm a quiet as cup.
1: You just enlightened the man.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Up until this point, we're talking about 36 years right now. <laughs> but the, the, cup the one thing cool it, is now the cup I'm empty. Damn it, Dingle. <laughs> but
2: one thing I also learned like in life, you know when you're successful, when you're going on, every day you should have to learn something new. Oh. That's man. how you know when you had a good day. Mm-hmm. Like I learned something new And not being afraid To learn something new Not being a lot of people Who think they know everything Mm -hmm. And they're not Even at my age As you get older It's hard for change You're just setting your ways And sometimes You're in your own way of success Like somebody says Hey this is good This this and that Maybe if you tweak the This 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 and that You'll reach a different audience That maybe generate revenue That you haven't seen Or get the um, get the attention of somebody Who you never would have drawn yeah. in yeah. That Every could help audience. take you You're Like ah, I did it, I worked 50 hours right. Three years, right. this is my work and I ain't trying to hear all of that right. Right. But you gotta say Well most people, this is the key This person that's Giving me the advice or opinion Where do they gain in giving me This advice mm-hmm. Are they doing this out of hate or just to help just, I'm just giving mm-hmm. you my opinion. Right. Whether you take it or don't take it, exactly. but at the end of the day, I'm only doing it to Your help you. Right. Rather than you say, oh, you never wrote a book. Right. You never did no editing. You ain't put right. no work right. in in right. this. Right. What the hell you know? Right. I might not know that, but I know where you're trying to go. Right. I know the people that you're trying to get to, right. and I know how they think. Right. But you don't realize that. You worried about if I did this or not. Right. But see, and you, you, but your mind is not open wide enough to see the end game. You caught up in the the, the grind, yeah. the hustle. You don't see the the results. Like you got to visualize. Like when people say, "Where do you see yourself in 10 years?" Ah. Uh. <laughs> I don't know, i would probably be doing something good. No, witty, you, you know, you have to say it, believe it, and achieve it. Like, so you yeah, got to actually...
1: Yo, <laughs> no, you're going to get real. Yeah, you you <laughs> dropped drop so many jewels in it, I, I don't mean, really stop you.
2: Yeah, I mean, but you got to understand it. And I was for one thing I learned, too. People always say, you got two eyes, one mouth, and two ears. I always listen to my... Anytime somebody gives me knowledge and wisdom, I'm always looking to be better always listen like i might mean, be an old dude in here like 60 years oh that's jump shot you should do this or this this and that i'm like oh shit, you right i didn't think about it but some people like he's yelling he's loud this like what is he talking he's bugging out i hear that but look at what he's doing right. like understand the message not how it's being delivered mm-hmm. which people get caught all oh, this dude loud oh, he's crazy and he's rah rah, just like Somebody might, anybody could drop you or never judge a book by its cover. Right. Dude come home for 25 years, what is he gonna tell me? Right. You've been locked up for 25 yeah, years. Right. But you don't know the editor, the number one publishing company, I did time with their son and they gave me the whole layer of how the business works. Oh, I didn't know that, like, people like that go to, jail's for everybody, right. everybody yeah. could go to jail. <laughs> no, no. You don't never, or, Somebody walking around, mad at the world, this, 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 and that. You don't even know why. You don't know what happened. He could have lost his mother, his father, his son, his wife. He almost could have been a a near-death situation. Never judge anybody, because also, you never walked in anybody's shoes. You don't know, like right now, I can't judge you by this book, this video, because I don't know what it took to get you here, and how bad you want to go to the next level. I can't just say, oh, you look like you okay. You might say, I had this shirt for 10 years. I wear the same outfit every week. But it looks nice to me. You're like, well, at the end of the day, I'm not worried about my appearance. And that's the one thing I learned from working on Wall Street around rich people. Like, don't worry about all of this. Mm -hmm. Like, this is just for show. But, most of the people really got money. You would never know That's, from walking by them.
1: Listen, I worked out in uh, Silicon Valley for a. Stretch.
2: Oh, so you already know.
1: And what you just said, I mean, I knew it. Just
2: they wearing, wearing polo with Versace yeah. and all of that.
1: They, they real t-shirts, jeans, and t-shirts, and some like flip-flops.
2: Or they have the and cheap they, sneakers.
1: Yeah, the cheap car, the cheap sneakers. They don't spend a lot of like the real. I mean, mega million and billionaire dudes out there. It's, but it's see,
2: and what you said, our youth and the t- What are you watching on TV? Mm?
0: Sorry, continue. um. No, 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 Oh no, um. What are
2: they watching? Like, remember, they're influenced by the media. Of like, so that's one thing. One thing I also learned now that I'm older, <coughs> I don't watch the news <coughs> as much because i protective. Of what comes in here mm-hmm. So I don't go for the brainwash Like I believe the police brutality and All this stuff going to America But they they want to brainwash you To make you scared and fearful mm-hmm. Like people like Oh I ain't going to the hood yeah. I'm not going over there Like it's crazy over there yeah. They killing people Alright one person might have got killed In the last month People die all the time but if you look nervous, you walk and like, oh, you can you know, tell. They're He's like, like oh, it. yeah, yeah, all right, he nervous. But if you just going about your business and whatever, like, you just going from here to there, they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They don't know if you're crazy, you got whatever on you, that it could, it could happen to them, yeah. so they're not going to try you.
0: Right. You know, th- with that same, so we, we grew up in, in the Bronx, New York City. Mm-hmm. We have cousins in Miami, Florida. And every year we go, I would take trips every year. We'd sit down, round table, discuss, and they would ask me, like, yo, how is New York, man? Is, you know, how many gunshots do you hear? I'm like, damn, it's not bad. I haven't heard a gunshot. shot. <laughs> I'm thinking of myself. But you know it's But that's what's on the news for them. Like, they always see it. But like, it's Miami's
2: me. worse than New York. I have a right. actually crazy thing is that you said it, I got more family in Miami than New York. Oh, really? I got oh, family that's from overtown oh, and by yeah. Liberties. And actually, I was just down there. My cousin was like, oh, I'm taking you to Pork Beans, Liberty City, yeah. Overtown. I'm like, Dad, this shit yeah, fucked up over here.
1: When you, say, when you say your pops is from the South, is it Florida? South
2: Carolina. Okay. Oh. So, like, my father's side originated from South Carolina. So what happened is my father and one or two of the brothers, they went north to New York, and the other ones went to Florida. Oh, okay. So, like, it split. So he has, like, he's one of seven siblings. Okay. So a lot of them migrated to Florida, but the boat, you know the hub is South Carolina, gotcha. but that Southern mentality, you know, is different.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's a whole different moment.
1: All right, look, mm-hmm. I know you got things to do soon. We haven't hit the highlights yet, mm-hmm. which is the notable time at UMass. Yes, man, I'm excited. So, I'm excited. <laughs> when people hear Dana Dingle's name around the country, thank you. I think it's synonymous with that '96 yes. run that you guys Hell went on. Yeah. But there were steps to get to that point. So. What happened when you walked through the door and you now you're back at the lower lower rung of, of those around you on the
2: team? Oh, you're talking about from freshman year UMass? Yes. So, like, when I came in my freshman year, UMass had just made the NCAA tournament for the first time in who knows when. Mm-hmm. And they lost in the final 16, I think, to Kentucky or somebody. But... So now they got a little bit of buzz So now they're like Okay we we headed in the right direction We got it We made it
1: This is the year before you
2: Before I got there So now the energy now People are starting to Like you know Have expectations from the basketball team You know they finally beat Temple the first time ever So now when I'm walking in Like you know people like Yeah yeah the basketball You know we're gonna be good man We love you guys I'm like, wow, like, like this up here? <laughs> so, and I'm like, oh, okay, you walking around, first day of school, come in, checking the dorms, and girls working out like, you such and such, you on the team, right? Uh-oh, oh,
1: they doing their... They they, uh, so I'm like, board. wait a
2: minute, how you... I know everybody on the team, trust me. We know what's coming in and what's leaving. But
1: you was in Southwest?
2: I was in Southwest. What, what building? I think, what's the furthest one facing the things? Is that Washington? Washington. Washington. Okay. So we was in, like, you know with the steps in front of the middle where all of the projects are? Yes. We. Yeah, yeah. So one I was little sitting right...
1: There was a the campus little store Well, there?
2: downstairs is the Munchie store and yeah, all that, but Washington is here and then you have all the buildings oh, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like that wow. little thing where people sit and just chill right there. Yeah. So people come and they're like, oh, yeah, you such and such. And I'm saying to myself, ain't no pictures of me around this this and that right. i mean you got regular tall college students like how do you know I'm um, such and, the, and, and such and
1: the internet wasn't popping like it
2: wasn't is. no right. internet Google right.
3: Somebody. Right. so
2: that's what told me that like wow like they 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 take this stuff serious mm-hmm. so i'm proud along and like you know people running you down you getting attention and love and all that i'm like shit I haven't even played a game yet <laughs> You know Walking around Anything you need You know We are Parties over here You on the basketball team It's all love I'm like all right, Cool So then I have my first Midnight Madness I was like Holy shit was it. it was wow. at the cage Before yeah, you know yeah, yeah. the My freshman year Was the last year The cage Curry Hicks cage Practice at midnight So I'm like Alright Ain't that many people coming out. Do you know it was standing room only at twelve one in the morning? People are pissy, drunk. Ah, we love you guys. Ah, such and such. And that's basically, just so you know, Midnight Madness is the formal introduction of the basketball team to the to school. So now everybody knows who you are now. Oh, I thought that was him. Right. so now after midnight madness was mm-hmm. normally the middle of october now i'm going to class now everybody knows who you are right now they the on dingle maybe now,
0: now they instead of one person running up now you got everybody beat, you gotta,
2: <laughs> so now we go along coming the season you know i got <clears throat> i got some decent run my freshman again and i was starting by the end of my freshman year because I had to do all of the same stuff over. You know, work out, outwork people, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but I also learned that the more success we have, the more it benefited us on campus right. and around campus and wherever we went. So I'm like, hey, I could get used to that. We got win. You know, I could get some of this or some of that, you know, and I don't really have to, you know, I don't got to work, I don't have to wait on no lines, we just Anto- go
1: Antonio's pizza Antonio's pizza You have to wait
2: when it was thick. Oh, now nah, they're like, oh, that's such and such Damn, son
3: They
2: was like, oh, yeah, you know I that slice, oh, yeah, you want this slice with yeah. beef, pepperoni, or whatever uh, You know, like, oh, that's that's candy, that's dingle, that's bright, yeah, let them come to the front of the line but the crazy That's thing was, but, but the students was like, even if they didn't, they didn't see us, they, they were like, oh, such a, yeah, yo, I got you. Yeah, yo, he yeah. with me. Yo, can't yo, what you want? It's on me, kid. Right. Right.
3: Yo, really you
2: suck. my man. So, but see, the thing was, nice. we, actually, this
3: jump shot,
2: we actually, we <laughs> actually messed with the students. So they actually right. showed us love. So they would call us and just say, listen, some of my boys in the fraternity, just please come to the party. You know, whatever you need, whatever you want. I just need you to show up. You showing up to the party, the our part. shit is crazy.
3: Yeah.
2: Even, you know, I, and I wasn't, you know, I messed with everybody. I had no racist bone in my body. Yeah. I messed with the white, the black, the hippies, the Spanish. I mess with everybody. So I went to like a, a, a fraternity party, white one. But I didn't understand, like, come on, man, like, drinks. Whatever you want, food, chick, like everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, fucker, you my man. You dudes help me out in class. Cool dudes, I go. And within hours being there, the shit got crazy. And I'm like, where's all these people? Yo, we heard the basketball team is here. <laughs> and I'm like, are you serious? So y'all went, Stop whatever y'all doing, because y'all heard a couple of basketball players at this party. That's how serious it and was.
1: And no social media.
2: No, it was just word of it was just like if you lived in the dorm, I call his room, he called somebody else's room, we call some, yo yo, I just came, oh I just heard, I just came out of this dorm, I heard such and such is over here. And I heard the chicks is over there now. Mm -hmm. So yo, we out.
3: Yo, that's crazy.
2: And then, but it was so it was good, that was a good attention, a bad attention is so if you had a girl or anybody, everybody was the police. So chicks was being there, binoculars looking up. Oh, that's Dante? Oh, what what dorm he going to? Girl, he headed to your oh. dorm. See who he going to see. And oh. back when we was coming up, you know, like you had to sign in. Mm-hmm. And the people like, oh, what room you going to? Mm. So like they were waiting on you. So it was like like it was it was funny like the police. So you couldn't really get away unless you kind of figured out stuff. Like so, me and some of the dudes, I'm like, my pet peeve was like, I'm not signing anybody in yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: if you want to come chill whatever yeah, you, you got to figure out how to get to my room like, anybody can sign you in but I'm not because all, right. all they would say oh yeah George just in. such and such at 1.30 in the morning or two yeah she checked yeah. yeah yeah I know what you up to yeah, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but like the parties like he said like but then so my freshman year we lost in a final 32 Second round. Then sophomore year, we lost in the Sweet 16. So as we got better, believe it or not, it got crazier on campus.
0: Oh, real? Of course. Yeah? Of course. You're no, like, campus.
2: but now you got people from Boston, you Springfield, national Mass, national yeah. tension. Yeah. So now the parties were crazy. Like, like, everybody, like, was coming, like, to party or invite us to all type of stuff. Like, it it was just like, we go to the mall, they're like, oh, can you sign this? Oh, no problem. You know, Jordans, whatever, this, this, and that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Did you get to sign body
1: parts? Did people get crazy? Chicks. Some chicks,
2: oh, could you? Oh, my God.
1: Sign my my hand. I'm never
2: going to wash it. It And it's so crazy, right, because some of my homegirls who I've got, you know, developed, real relationships in college, my wife doesn't understand how it was. Mm-hmm. Like we were literally, we were rock stars. Yeah, no yes.
3: doubt.
2: Like you would understand, so like, even so like right now, even when I still go back to a game, or like I went to like a function, I'm in the garden, like they were like, oh my God. That's like like somebody 40 something years old, that's Dana Jangle. I'm
1: telling
3: you bro. Oh
2: my God. And so my cool. wife is like, what wrong with these wife? You know this, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like it was different. Like like you don't understand it was different.
1: Yo, let me let me just tell you real fast. So I mentioned this to you off air. Like I, it's funny now, especially that like your brother went to Saint Dominic, right? So like mm-hmm. the 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 transition from school to school to school, your path I I mimicked it from high school to college. Mm-hmm you were a big influence and I had never met you, right? And so just the legend of Dana, mm-hmm. when I walked through those doors, you and Orlando were the, the two biggest names that kind of rung. And again, hadn't met either one of you guys.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: I was like, yo, all right, damn, I'm here. I hear these names. And I'm thinking, you know, as soon as I walk through the door in Saint Raymond, I'm like, all right, I know I want to go to college. Mm-hmm. And I start thinking, all right, where am I going to go to college? And I start hearing your names. And then I start hearing all about the, you know, the run to, to the Final Four. I, and I'm like, Oh, and then I'm like, yo, Davis from right here. Like, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Yes, I want, yes, UMass is on my list, right? And so you influenced somebody like me, again, didn't grow up playing competitive basketball like you did, mm-hmm. uh, but was a big fan of the sport forever. But you influenced heavily my decision to attend, and ultimately what, what kind of broke the camel's back to an extent was Kit Reimer. Mm-hmm. So I visited Kit and my brother told me. you I
2: got to see what it... See, yeah, you know yeah. what? People didn't realize, oh, it's a small college town. It's mm-hmm. just a It's a school. A college town is different. Mm-hmm. You figure, ah, oh, you know, it's quiet, not much going on. But when you have a sports team that's winning... That's when you basically... The whole town becomes your town. Like, it, it, it was just crazy. I mean, it, it's so, like... Let's say you know Massachusetts, people born around racist. It's a lot of them racist, but when you on a team,
1: you a guy.
2: you don't even look like that. Yeah. like, oh, this is my daughter. She loves you, man. <laughs> and I'm like looking wing, like
3: wing, nudge, nudge) <laughs>
2: And I'm like, what?
1: What do you mean? You trying to set me up? He's like, nah, too. like,
2: oh, dude is like, yeah, you're my wife's favorite player, man. Oh, she yeah. wears your jersey all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Right. You need an autograph or something? Like, I don't know where you're going with this, you, but.
0: You should have been like, student, Sir, were not you the guy taking out that Confederate flag?
3: I'm just go
2: but yeah. it, it's crazy, but they were like, yeah, you know. Or are we crazy? Cause like, man, these minorities running around bugging, but not you guys, man. You guys are, you guys, <laughs> you guys are good. Okay. You guys are different. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so I'm not what?
3: <laughs>
2: but um, so but that that also allowed us to be looked at and treated differently than the regular minorities on 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 campus. But also, it also allowed me to pull some of those guys in to some of the environments or parties or stuff I was able to get into that guys who weren't on the team couldn't get into. Mm-hmm. So, let's say I went to a party or somewhere, I walked in first time. Oh, now this is my cousin. He on the team. He he just doesn't get. He's a walk on. With oh yeah yeah, come in, mm-hmm. no problem. And so and then like you guys, acts like my boy E Jones and other guys who would come down to visit me. Yeah. And they would see, like you, a whole nother word. Like, I have a buddy, Alex Perez, who went to St. Raymond's, who went to St. John's. He was tight with Charles Clark. This dude was in UMass every weekend. (laughs) And he'll tell, like, the guys in my fans. He's like, yo, it was crazy. It was nuts. I was basically getting, like, people thought I went here, but I benefited from all the dudes on the team. So, like, because, so, like, let's say you guys came, oh, yeah, all right. You good? What you like? Yeah, you know, I'm trying to get busy or get right Right. or whatever. All right, come with me to this party. This my man from New York. This my boy, childhood friend. We brothers, this, this, and that. You got to show him love, this, this, and that. Like, oh, my God. Like, (laughs) that's your friend?
1: And they go to the world Week And the guys, weekend. so the
2: guys that keep trying to come up, like, yo, I'm like, yo, I can't keep, like, I have a single, like, my freshman year, I didn't have a yeah. single, so they're like, yo, I could just stay in your room, kid, like, yo, it's way more popping here. <laughs> and you know how many people would stay at UMass that didn't go there? Yeah, tons. Like, guys were tons. living there the whole semester and didn't go to school.
1: Yeah, I, I knew a few. Really? And then
2: it was so crazy, and then guys is like, man, this this is crazy number. And then the summertime come, the horseshoe and all of that. Where now you know guys is coming out, and the big parties, the funkathon, jeans and t-shirt. You had the summer, or the the concert, spring concert, and it was just like, but that the the success of the basketball team just drove so many people to Amherst mm-hmm. that would have never even heard of Amherst. And it was just crazy, and it was it was a lovely time, and like, is the best times of my life. And I didn't put it like this. It's so crazy. And I tell my friends in mass. Also, you would know, we were good at a time when the Celtics were bad.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I would go in mass. Everybody knew the the every starter five. They knew me and the other four everywhere in Massachusetts. They knew all of the starter fives full name. And we would go to clubs. And the dudes and the Celtics had to wait on the line, and they Yo, were, we would go straight get in.
3: Here.
2: No bullshit. Yo. But we were number one in the nation, so yeah. we were basically represented the whole state of Massachusetts. Was like the pro team. We <laughs> was like the dudes, so they was like, "Yo, y'all letting these dudes in?" They're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such and such." That's like, like the
1: University of Miami football team. Back the U back then, yeah.
2: like. Yes. Like anywhere you went, in the mall, oh, no, no, come any store, like like everybody just wanted to be a part of you, shake your hand, take a picture, get an autograph. But it was like real love, like you were somebody, like like their kids' kids, they love you. Like this. it was just unbelievable. I
0: have a question regarding that, right? Um, I guess it didn't work for you because your success, like, you've incrementally succeeded more and more, like you, you outdid your, your statistics previous years. My question is, how did that not impact you negatively? Like, you were partying more, right? You had more success, you had your ego probably through the roof. Like, how the hell did you sustain your court productivity? Keep that focus, although you, Michael Jackson.
2: Because one thing I learned, you gotta put in the work first. No matter what you do, you could always not, you could have fun and do whatever you're doing, but you gotta put the work in first. So, before, like, so let's say I was partying 12, 1 to 3, 4, 5 in the morning. After practice, I might have went to the gym from 9 to 11 to get two hours of shots up and work. So I knew, okay, I got my 500 shots up. I did my 500 push ups or whatever. I did the work. So now I could have some fun. But most people are lazy, but that, as long as you did the work, you know, my body was still fine because I did the work. It's like, all right, as long as I had a decent amount of sleep and I worked and worked, but I, I was always humble and I was always taught to treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. Don't never act like you're better than anybody. And that's the, the re, actually, honestly, the reason why I've been blessed and fortunate and had success in life is no matter where I've been, everybody say I'm the same person. If it's a little kid or bum that's or whatever, I'm respectful. Hey, how are you? Nice. Like, I never act like I'm better than anybody. That's so good. And that's why I'm able to still be blessed and fortunate and have success because you never know. Because even when I come down, I never st- stomped on anybody on my way up. Mm-hmm. And I was taught, when you raise up, when you go high, you try to help people. If I'm in position, I told my dudes, we all going to eat. Mm-hmm. If I'm in position to eat, and that's what, everybody taught me too, like all my mentors, any great person of success, your true success is measured when you able to help other people become successful. Mm-hmm. Not how successful you are, how much, I mean, how many people have you helped yes. become successful yes. because of the position that you're in?
1: So so one thing about that, and, mm-hmm. and that's the most admirable thing, that's one of my principles in life. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a difference between you Helping somebody become successful by giving them something mm-hmm. Versus putting them in a position for them to earn opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, difference being Let's say, I don't know, let's say you made it to the NBA Or whatever, you went pro overseas, mm-hmm. right? Correct So, let's say, you know, you're the man in the Dominican Republic when you played, right? And then mm-hmm. you are getting commercial, you know, to do ads or whatever locally One of your mans, maybe back home, is like Yo, I'm, I studied marketing, I would love to help you with that you give him an opportunity to like be on your team to facilitate to help those things. Correct. Right? So like those are some but he's gotta work.
2: And that's the way what I said. Long as I know you put the work in and you're capable, but I also know, you know, you only get one chance yes. for a first impression. Yes. And my name is on this. That's even more. So if I help you and you mess this up, you mess this up for every other potential person coming behind you. Yep. So I would say no offense you my man, but you know you be partying. You don't take this serious. So don't get mad. If you want to be mad, but I'm going to keep it all the way 100 yeah. with you. Like, if you partying too much, you messing around, You're you ain't ready. The at. Th- You're not ready at this time. Right. Then if somebody, you know what? He's ready. He's focused. He knows this is an opportunity that he may never get. He's ready for this. All right, come on. This is what's going to happen. Make sure you look right. Don't look crazy. You know, and people... And certain levels of business they prejudge people and i even tell kids like you can't come in with the cornrows the baggy pants down your behind because people if they're intimidated or nervous or afraid of you they're already going to judge you and before you even say a word you're going to be denied the opportunity Mm -hmm. appearance is everything and that's what i try to teach the kids and making sure you prepare for the opportunity And I will have no problem and even nowadays, putting people on all the time, kids, parents, this as long as I know they're qualified and they're not gonna make me look bad.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: That's key. And I don't and I don't do it for anything in return. It's just knowing at the end of the day, what does they say? Pay it forward. If I helped you, you helped somebody else.
0: All right, so, mm-hmm. first of all, I, just, I don't want to undermine everything you said because I feel mm-hmm. like that's the most valuable thing of this. I think that's the reason, the premise of why we do what we're doing is, you mm-hmm. know, the insight and the wisdom that you have. But I'm, I'm a basketball fan. My brother, we basketball fans. You know what
2: I'm saying? you <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't probably play more, more than me. I don't even play. I don't, don't play. know about that. I don't Maybe. know about that.
0: Uh-huh. Not put well. 500 shots up a day. I, I can't remember doing that. No, back in college, yes. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. We'll get to that. But the point is you right now. So, uh-huh. We just touched sophomore year. I'm dying to get to senior year. But you know, between that there's a junior year. So just, let's, let's, let's just gloss over that so we can get to the meat potatoes.
2: So you went to junior year yeah, or yeah, the I senior want wait, wait, wait.
1: year? Yeah, I junior I want to highlight something. Mm-hmm. Freshman through senior year, you guys hit the tournament.
2: Yeah, we went, so freshman year final 32. Yeah. Sophomore year, Sweet 16. Junior year, Final 8. Senior year, Final 4. Damn,
1: like literally in the right progression. What? Yes. Oh, okay, so oh,
0: I'm glad we talked about And in all four years,
1: A-10 champions.
2: We I won an A-10 championship every year. Right. And then That's they won it crazy. the year. And they wanted the year after. We was the first school in the modern era to win five conference championships oh, in a row. Outright champions, not partial. Other people, five in a row.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Did the That's same, crazy. Did that same freshman team stay through that was intact the whole entire
2: time, My class? I mean, normally when you did, they, everybody stayed, nobody transferred. Okay. But it was just so my class, my class in 96 is the all-time winningest class. And you, man, like I still hold the record for the most games played. Wow.
1: 137?
2: Yep. Dang, you still Google, <laughs>
3: baby,
2: <Google>. yeah, <laughs> I still I hold the record for yeah the, the most games played. And the crazy thing is I probably lost in four years between 12 to 15 games in four ah. years. Like it was probably when like seven, That's five,
1: one.
2: like seven, five, no, actually 15. Because my senior year, we lost two, three, four, and maybe six or seven. Somewhere around 15, 16 games. And you're
1: talking about 20, r- roughly 20 wins a year. More
2: At more least 25. Like, win. I had 137. So, That's in a four-year. Right, I'm right, sorry. Right, no, no, no. So, wins season. is probably average somewhere around 30. A season. So, a season. Because okay. we was like okay. 35, 32, 29, 27. Somewhere she around there.
0: seems incredible. This is a, 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 per, a per, <clears throat> excuse me, a personal question. Mm-hmm. Who would you say? Who would you describe yourself as, as far as the team? Like, were you the, the heart and soul? Or were you the?
2: I was guy, um
0: all around player. I
2: think every year my role changed, but most people know me as the guy that was gonna get whatever done. So I kind of like was a glue guy, but a guy that whatever the situation was that I had, like we had to get a stop. We had to get a rebound, had to get a bucket. We had to lock down this guy. Like whatever the the hardest task was, I was put on.
0: I, I just remember as a, as a child, like watching you play. I mm-hmm. mean, again, I'm, First of all, your name just sounded dope. It rhymed on me, mm-hmm. you know? It was like a rap song, like Dana Dingle. It just sounded yeah. like, it just it popped at you. It
2: popped. Yeah, that's what they used to call Dana Dame with fame. It was rapper so, Dana Dane Dana, Dame. Yeah. Yeah. Dana <laughs> yeah.
3: Anyway, um, right.
0: so I, that stung like the, right away, that, like that struck something on me. But my other thing was, is like, I just remember you being tough. Like, if I don't remember nothing else, I remember your toughness. So and that's,
2: like, that's the, and the one thing is, this is what happened as far as basketball c- progression. I'll just give you a note. I went in at 185 as a freshman. I ended my freshman year at 195. Now, this is where I went, the biggest transformation in my body With everybody started knowing me for, I came back 200, from 195 to like 215. All muscle, shredded, (laughs) Everybody thought I was on steroids. So just imagine coming back, twenty pounds of muscle, and mostly it's all here. Upper body. Upper body, shoulders back, arms, legs, and I was just look like just shredded. So now and when I'm hitting dudes like, oh oh." and then now I'm benching like, you know, a couple of hundred, like I think my junior I was like over three, twenty-five or whatever. Now I'm like I became, by my junior year, I was the strongest on the team. Oh, wow. I didn't weigh the most on the team, but now, so I'm like, now once that happened, it just, the confidence became, it was different.
0: What made you do, like, that, that grand transformation? Well, as a freshman
2: saw? year, dudes were throwing me around, grabbing me, running me off the of screens. I was hurting, I was skinny, and I was like, you know what? I got it. Dudes ain't going to be pushing me around again. Like, remember, every year, I told you. So freshman year, I used to get pushed around, bumped, held. And, you know, you're getting all of that physical contact at 185, 6'5". You know, I couldn't, my body wasn't built like that. So the biggest thing, the coach is like, you got to get stronger. But they don't know, like, me, I'm going to take it all the way that's to the true. next level. <laughs> right. They didn't say, like, God damn. Yeah. What you, <laughs> they're like, what you on? We said
1: 10 pounds. So that's <laughs> <accurate>. <laughs>
2: I was like, shit, ain't nobody pushing me around the rest of the – in college basketball. It's not happening no hey, more.
1: So, before I forget, we mm-hmm. didn't have to write down that regimen and mm-hmm. sell that online as a single <laughs> program <laughs> because whatever the fuck that was – I work, I work hard bro
2: like I work I was lifting Four or five times a week Like all natural like I was work Like Like when I was in the gym People was outside Having fun Like I worked my behind off But And that And that Basically Kept the progression Going forward You know And that's one thing I'm able to Give back and teach Like perfect example Off topic right So My son was little Skinny Freshman then after sophomore year, people like, yo, you got your son on steroids or something? <laughs> I said, no. Nah, you want to get bigger? You want to get, we going to work. Right. So, we you know, we used to, calisthenics. We was on pull-ups, push-ups, dips, and it just shredded him up wow. to the points where people like, yo, he's a grown man.
1: Yo, I saw I saw the documentary that they did, that little 10-minute joint us on YouTube about y'all. Yes. huh Yo, your son looks shredded,
3: big.
2: He's like. Wow. 190 6'3, 190 with no body fat.
1: Yo, he, he looked <laughs> like I was, he, he just started, turned 18. That's crazy. That's now, a you man. gotta see. A man. Man.
0: What, what oh, you,
2: seen, you
1: gotta see the documentary on YouTube. Just search, David it's David.
2: another kid who's not, didn't end up with the program. Everybody, they say he's the strongest kid in high school basketball. Go to YouTube and put in the Irish Hulk. It's a kid named okay. Aiden Igehan. He's a top-rated player in New York. Okay. He goes to school out here. And he, him and my son, I trained both of them from the basic, basic core, uh-huh. the whole core, everything. And now they took it to another level. And I knew when my son gets on the bars and he could put 45 or weight vest and all, like, you got me now. Mm. Like he, he, But I was able to teach and help him develop that work ethic. But, so but the thing is, it's like, why not give it back? Like, what am I gonna use with all this yeah. knowledge and information? Yeah. Just but some people like you hear another saying, some of the the best information or the richest people are where?
1: In books. The richest people. <laughs> I'm some of the
2: richest information and some of the um the smartest people or ideas are where do they lie right now? In the library? Oh
0: no no in the cemetery.
2: There You go, yep, uh, <laughs> yep. Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> come on, man. That's good. <laughs> so, like they say, I'm gonna take all this money with me. You're gonna take it to the uh, grave. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I got this that's secret, true. I'm gonna keep it. I ain't gonna let you know. I made a billion dollars, but I don't want nobody yeah, to know. Yeah, yeah, like, right. why are you gonna hold on to that information? Like, you can't take it, keep you know. But it. a lot of people. Might have, could have, you know, all of this stuff, they take it to the grave with them. That's real. They don't give it back.
0: But, you know, and, and in your case, like, now that you have a son, you gave all that information to, it lives on, man. Your yes. legacy lives on. Well, he's got three kids. So. I'm sorry, I'm speaking just because of yeah, your you My know, son. The, uh-huh. you know, but I'm not saying you don't do that for your daughters. I'm just saying, you know, you give, you give, and it continues, man. It continues, you know? Like,
2: and one thing I told him as a father for me, my father told me, you want to Give your kids, or give them a better life than the life you had. So I told him, you got to take this to another level. You grew up in the suburbs, a house, two family. How you doing well? Now you got to go to another level. So I'm like, but now you know he's going to U Penn. Oh, okay. So I'm like, now you know you got a chance wow. to take. I could only take this family and this legacy, but so far, but you a basketball player going to U Penn, the Warden, the number one business school. You now you got to take this shit. To the next level
3: yeah,
2: You got to take this This Now you in position To beat me and your moms Knock us out of the box mm-hmm. And create a real legacy For this family
0: Yeah but I think With yeah. your coaching Tutorials Your mentorship uh, And just that, that, that The qualities that you've always that you possess Right I think that that's, that's and Oh it yeah just, It's going to happen It's going to
2: happen You know what I mean like, that's And just, he go in He mentored He did a wall street two years intern so like my mentor mentored him so but now he's going into a world where he's amongst the best but he's going into a situation like how Penn is basketball Mm -hmm. so now so this is what my wife and we understood how do i get him because he's real smart real bright how do i and my wife went to all black school how do we put him in position to share both of our experiences But help put him in position to knock us out the box create his own own legacy and take it hmm but remember i came from a basketball school where the basketball team is the big man on campus so now okay so penn was number one business school in the country which you'll have most success and it's a basketball school with rich tradition in a basketball city so I'm like wow So he gets the best of the both worlds Then he's rubbing elbows with all of the people Who make all of the main decisions in life That
3: network, that
2: network. That. So now the Ivy network is real So but mo- everybody's like Why would you send your son to an Ivy League So you worried about right now The next year or two You gotta look the next 30 years
1: The life beyond basketball There was you his go was, like, was So
2: he didn't understand but my wife, I was like, because he he's around me. He knows our politic, our network. You got to prepare, like I tell you guys, the long game. Basketball, the ball is going to start bouncing at some point. If, you, if you're if you phenomenal, elite, 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 best case scenario, 35. If you Kobe, LeBron, or one of them Vince, maybe 38. That's rare. But the average, most people might be done by 30 that's not even half your life. What happens now? What do you do? But do you understand if you're in position where you have a network with you, that now you're in position to win? Like most of us, we're not in position to win. Mm -hmm. So unless you got to understand the rules and understand the game. Once you understand, like, you know, my father said, when you know better, you do better. So now that I know and I understand, like, hmm, He had St. Louis, St. Bonnie's, UPenn, all the Ivy Leagues except for Harvard. So I said, hmm, should go to A-10 basketball school, good, have a pretty good career, but after that what happens? He could be okay, have a good job, make some money, or he can go to basketball school with a great coach amongst the best businessmen in the world and be something else. He could be everybody's boss. That's right, and that's why I said, "Listen." And he told me, "You know, I want to create generational wealth." And your this son is told you this. yeah. So I was like, did "So he, did he understand?" What so he was when saying? he said that, I said, "This right now." <laughs> once you said, I said, "You answered your question for yourself." Oh. Like because he really in his head it was really Penn or Princeton. Ah, okay. But Princeton took somebody else
3: okay. before
2: oh. he could commit or go on a visit. So then I said, we ain't even, you already answered your own question. Yeah,
0: That's amazing. Man. You
2: answered your own question. Yo, how
0: proud are you? Yeah, I was oh, just man, saying,
2: that's man. probably one of the the most proudest times in my life, to see that him being put in position to be successful in life. But the great thing is it's like the way I move, most people who are not educated don't understand what he's walking into. That chest
1: move. They don't get
0: it. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not for them. It's not for them to understand. Yeah. You know, you you, you you building your own legacy. It,
1: you're right. It's not for them. But hopefully this even serves as a small nugget of education for them to understand. Because it may not be clear now. Yes. When, when, your son's name is Jordan, right? Yes. When Jordan is 33 years of age or somewhere with a... Bright career, like hopefully well on its way. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, a lot of people that he grew up because I'm sure you know him being your son. There's a certain level of pressure.
2: It was for him,
1: right? Yeah. And so you you assume coming around him and maybe one of his you know his peers, you should be on your way to being like your dad, you know, ball wise or better.
3: Mm -hmm. That's
1: kind of I think the general consensus probably. Right. Him going on this ride. Granted, satisfying the basketball need that he inherently has, mm-hmm. but then moving in a direction where the economic feasibility of something grander is possible, yo, so like, I, I wanna see that. I wanna and see that shit play itself out.
2: And you know what's crazy funny. though, because most of the people in the basketball world, they don't really understand, They just they just look at it from a basketball standpoint. But like, if you walk around, average people are "Oh, your son is going, man! Yeah. Oh, wow, congratulations! Really like, that's how'd you pull that off?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: true. How'd you pull that off?
0: But I'm so so. Be, I, I don't know. I don't know you personally, but I'm getting to know you. I mean, the you, mm-hmm. world of Wall Street. I mean, mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, influences that I think brought upon this decision.
2: Well, I learned a lot. Like I said, I. I I was able and fortunate to learn. Like again, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't hit a million dollars and nothing like make that type of money, but I was around a lot of them. I right. pay attention what schools they went to, where they trying to send their kids right. to and why. Right. And they said, if you in position, if you, once you get to the table, then it's on you, but right. you got to get to the, you got to get in that room where only certain people allowed to get in that room. Right. Right. And Once you get in that room, you arrive now it's up to you how that there uh, you go yeah. but unfortunately in our world we don't really get those opportunities mm-hmm. we just don't
0: well i mean in your case you you help cultivate and create that opportunity for your son you help mold that opportunity for your son you know
2: so. yeah well he put the work in, in the classroom right. and in basketball but it was a collective but he sure. understood what i was able to get through him is the mentality of hard work Of understanding how hard you have to work To become successful And he basically ate it up And accepted it And was willing to put the work in right. And I was able And so like right now Tell him don't worry about the Your teammates that are having More success than you now mm-hmm. let's, let's revisit this in 10 years You'll mm-hmm. understand this in 10 years yeah. Like where well, they might be calling you for a job yeah. Or they need you to help them out yeah. Don't get caught up in The glitz and the glamour We'll see in 10 years who needs who yeah. or who's where.
0: Um, I just I want to ask you one more mm-hmm. uh, last question. Um, mm-hmm. Your last year. Senior uh, year, senior Final Four. 1996. So I need to go right there with y'all, okay? Senior okay. year. Take me to the mentality beginning that, that year. Like, what was it? Like, did you have a sense? Did y'all already have a sense? Did we you had you, like, a we sense. we are a big deal.
2: Like, we felt that we had enough to win it. The whole thing. And we were in, I think we were preseason top five, somewhere around the top ten. But we knew that we had a shot, like at the point where it was going to be hard to beat us. Right. Just because I'm a senior, Bright's a senior, Camby's a junior. He was basically scheduled to go to the league as a lottery pick, and he came back for one more run at this.
3: Right.
2: And we had like in, we knew we was built for this. Right. So, and the funny thing, like Cal posted the schedule my senior year, we played everybody, anybody, anybody anywhere, anytime. <laughs> wow. But the thing was, though, we knew that we could walk in anywhere and beat anybody on their, like it didn't matter. Right. We had no fear, and we expected to win. Every time we stepped on the court, we expect to win. No, like the refs is gonna cheat. Right. I don't know what's gonna happen. Tim Duncan's the best player in the country. Yeah. You're playing against Antoine Walker, Tony Delk, um was a squad. You, Mercer, was you know, Ron Mercer, Ron, 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 Ron Anderson, Anderson, Derek Anderson, Anderson Walter, Walter McCarty. McCarty. That Kentucky team had nine NBA players That's that incredible.
1: we. D- the way that you beat down Walter McCarty in that game, bro, the the semifinal.
2: Mm-hmm. Jesus <laughs> and the crazy thing is, like, if you watch that game, a lot of people say even Cal, and people say, you know, I got hurt in the first half. Know,
1: you out most of the first. And they was
2: like, if I didn't get knocked out, that oh. we'd have won that game. I said the exact and That's game. what everybody said, like, because I got my tooth knocked out or yeah, whatever yeah. Elbowed yeah. And I missed most of the first half. Was it Walter that gave me elbow? I don't even remember, yeah, but right. I know everybody said if Dad, if he played that whole game, we'd have won it all that oh, year. Yeah, but I mean, Kentucky beat uh, Syracuse, Syracuse. For the, for the yeah. and we blew out Syracuse by like twenty five that they year. Yeah,
0: squad too, Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, I'm they, they, had, uh, Ethan they had
2: John Wallace. John Wallace. John Wallace the and they had Thomas. um, yeah, Ethan Thomas, but as a guard that was nice. Uh, but the crazy thing, but back to the the year, mm-hmm. so we was preseason top 10, 5, five, six, I forgot exactly, but I don't know if you remember. He probably does, but we started going on a run. A serious run a serious run and we beat Kentucky within our first five games which we wasn't supposed to beat and after that when they was number one in the country right. Right. then once we we beat them convincingly then we went on a run I think we were 30 and zero, when they was talking about these guys might be the first team to go undefeated in college basketball since Indiana and whatever year it was yeah like it was and that run was crazy. Now you think everybody in Massachusetts knew us. Right. Every whole state whole we state. went to, every even NBA everybody knew who we were. I mean undefeated the whole where they go down today. Oh, not today. Mm-hmm. Uh maybe next game. Oh, where they go down today. Like it became where everybody was rooting against us. But it was those people like, "Yeah, that's my team." Like we had other people in other states like um that's my team. Like, I'm meeting people like, where you from? Yeah, you, yeah, yo, y'all was my team. And that was, like, crazy. Like a little small college town that we was their favorite team, and they knew all of the players. So we was just rolling, winning, beating everybody. And then we lost our first game at home, which was my only loss in four years at home to GW. And I got hurt my shoulder, and we lost to GW. Then we recovered. Won the conference tournament, got to the NCAA tournament, playing against all these guys, Steph Marbury, Allen Iverson, uh, Big Dog, um, all of these dudes. I mean, uh, what's his name? He played with the Knicks. They call him Junkyard Dog. Uh,
1: he played for Jerome State. Williams. George. He yes.
2: He was on that team, Iverson, Victor Page, Othello Harrington. Wow all of those dudes so and then but that that run was just crazy so all of the success and all of the great things we had just like just just imagine like like right now you got the mic you turn it up turn it up you every year you just keep turning it up like you hear the music but like you just turn it up till you like oh shit i can't turn it up anymore right. but it's so loud, but you don't even notice it. You just did that. Yo, that song is crazy. Right. That we turned it up so much that it was just, it was crazy. The camp, everything was just, you it's walk amazing. outside. Yeah, it was a movie. It was just like it was unreal. Like it was so crazy. I tell people, like, we would come home after a home game where well, you know you live in the dorms, you have a voicemail, but uh, <laughs> voice messages, but people don't have your number. So let's say, oh, could, uh, you connect me to Dana, so they'll connect you. So we would literally come home after the games. Mailbox full. Your mailbox is full. All different type of people leaving all different type crazy of messages.
3: messages.
2: <laughs> Notes slid under the door like, "Yo, what's up?" Da da da. da. You know. Boys, you <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm like, "Yo, this is crazy." Or we beat in like. I'll answer the phone and they're like, yo, how do you get your number? How do, you know you, how do they know what room you in? That's not
3: hard.
2: But, like, the thing <laughs> is, with no social media and right. no, like, but people will find you. That's when I when you're successful, people are going to find you. Yeah. They want to touch you. They want to be around. And, and especially when you're super successful yeah, right. on elite, elite, the best of the best. You know, you might have a chance to go to NBA, you playing a the best team in college basketball, everybody wants to share those memories and say, what, like, when you go to Jay-Z, on the run tour, like, you just want to go to say, yo, I was there. I was there, son. Uh, Like, when he would say, like, people, like, during the UMass or back then, Zoomass, like, the parties that kept, like, yo, I was there, it was crazy. It's just like, and that's what it was like. It's like, just think about going to your craziest party or some of the best events you've been to in your life. That's was, every game was like that for a number of people. Like, they were camping out for tickets preseason to, like, you had to, like, the tents. Like, if you didn't sleep out overnight, you weren't getting no tickets. You wasn't getting in. <laughs> And those are student tickets. Student tickets, yes. <laughs> like,
1: you're not really paying much, if anything at all, I don't think. Like,
2: and people are like, like, man, like, I would do anything to go to a game. You know, it it was, it was, but it was so. But this, the good thing is that during that time, we had so much success and we treated people right. No matter when I go down, it's always love. When I get there the my oh such and such, yeah. like, it's just, like, and that's why I told my wife because of success and way I treated people. If it never worked in New York or somehow got crazy, they bombed New York. I know I could always go to Amherst and still live a good life and be okay. <laughs> okay
3: <kid.
1: laughs> well, I'm, I'm almost sure there's a tattoo somewhere <laughs> or something that Everybody's has your name on it. <laughs> I don't so know about that. But I know yeah. you got to run, and, and we, I know we're over time, but yeah. I, I don't want to leave that. without. Talking mm-hmm. about what you got yourself into now. Okay. So the New York Lightning, and just kind of give us a sense of what that is and how, how that So,
2: out. New York Lightning, I got involved in the Long Island Lightning in 1999, 2000 season. It's my first year, I was still playing overseas. So, it started because a friend of mine that was a Wall Street guy that I worked for, one of my mentors, Mark Fisher, that I started and he asked me to start a team for a son who was like 10 years old. Okay. And the only way to show that he would get playing time was to do his own team. Okay. I said, oh, you my guy, whatever. Got no problem, help you out. Started the first team. So they had a little draft and there was nothing there. So I said, all right, what are we gonna do? I said, I could find some players, but you know, it might be a few dollars or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Do Whatever, just go get them. So, you know what? I did my first stop, was what I know to the Bronx. So, I went and found two brothers, and one kid who most people know that's where I found Corey Fisher. Okay, that went to Villanova and was Final Four, and that was like my first prodigy when he was 10 years old. So, that was my first team. Got him out of Castle Hill Projects. so So, then. We had success. And like, you know, a lot of people who do them well, they, they love the attention, success. Damn, you guys are, where can y'all go? Oh, we can go here, this tournament tournament, but we ain't got, oh, now nah, don't worry about it. We started, so like at 10, 11, 12, we were traveling all over the country. Like everywhere. So then now they're like, wow. 14 under, You guys like O.J. Mayo, Derrick Rose, Kyle Singler, who is it? Michael Beasley, Mm -hmm. um, James Harden was in that class. Like, all of these top players is 2007. That's the year Corey graduated. These are all of the guys in his class. Kevin Love, O.J., Derrick Rose, Kyle Singler, Michael Beasley, Jared, Jared Bayless, James Harden. Um, and I'm missing some dudes who's still in the league. Oh, Minnesota. I mean, what's the Jeff T Like it was just that class turned out. So anyway, so he's like, "Wow, well, shit, I got a nephew who's around ten. His father wants to do a team, do another team."
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is
2: this is my guy who,
3: Mark's yeah, his nephew. nephew.
2: But he you know he you know he you know they they you know they do pretty well so they're like, um, I right, do another team. I don't know, well shoot. You could still coach those guys and do that. All right, cool. Started another team.
1: You were working in Wall Street at the yeah,
2: time. Yeah, I'm working, but that team actually started with my little brother. Okay. So, so now I'm sorry. When Corey was in high school, I started the ten and under with and Danny. got my Daniel's team, which was based on his nephew. Okay. And you know, he his father Kind of help, you know, sponsor the team. Right. So I'm like, Dad, we got two teams. So Corey's brother was a year younger. So you know, Corey and his brother Ivy got tight with um, you know, my um, my guy. Mm-hmm. So he's like, Well, how come I can't get a team? You know, like Corey, them everybody. I ain't even playing that much. He's ah, like, oh, give him a team. <laughs> so we you do it. You,
3: you got, a got a team. <laughs> you got a team. You got a team.
2: Yeah. So now we got three teams. And I'm like, yo, this costs a lot of money. Oh, don't worry about it. No, don't worry about the Like and you,
1: You're the, the figurehead for all things. Yeah, so you're yeah, the coach.
2: I'm the coach. Or then I got, I brought Shandu, my partner who yeah. runs the program with me, when Corey and them was in seventh, eighth grade. And that's where I met my wife around that time okay. as well, before well, she became part of the program. So I'm like, wow. But remember, I'm just doing this to help somebody. Yeah. Fun was, I nah, just, hey, to so help I'm you, your kid. Yeah. All right, fuck it, we do a team. So we had success, started nationally, everybody heard about it. It's like, wow, these guys is good. Like you got all these division one talent, high level potential pros. Like, how'd you find these kids? Like, what are you doing? Well, you know, I know people, I'm respected. I can go wherever I need to and people know me. So, all right, so we're winning. They're like, Dag, shit, y'all doing all of this, this well, business is good, everything, hey, we're going to give you X, Y, Z And y'all just do your own Program Branch, yeah. branch Like Dingle Whatever Like, So we're like what? Alright Cool So now we have a full High school program 15, 16, 17s So now we're doing well And I think the first time Opportunity I think Reebok You know Sponsored us for A, a couple of years The end of the Sunny 70, 70 Ricardo era Oh okay
1: Yeah
2: so, but during He's that time, his last time, because okay. he was with Nike, yeah. Adidas, and then he ended up in Reebok, which in the sunny area, that, that was, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. So now, now that we're building, everybody know it was fully funded and we traveled everywhere. So the guys who were on other programs who are well-known, Riverside Gauchos, we started getting those kids and we were better than those teams, mm-hmm. but we didn't have Nike or, or Adidas. Right. So we just was consistently good, putting in five, six, seven kids a year going to college. So that was from, like, so our first graduating class was 2007 okay. from high school. So then now comes we consistently doing this, putting dudes in, putting them in, holding our kids. So the now 2012 comes, and Nike's like, Gaucho's not really Good no more. They're not at the same as they used to be in Riverside. Ernie Lloyd's passed away. They're not the same. Mm-hmm. New York basketball has fallen off, which wasn't the case.
3: Right.
2: It's, they judge you by whoever the sponsored teams on the Nike circuit. Mm-hmm. So what happened was the two teams, Riverside Gauchos, on a night where well, it was Metro Hawkston, weren't performing well. So they're like, well, you guys play ball. Like, you know, and um, we think it'll be in the best interest that we make changes. And at the time, I was like, "Ah, I didn't really know. Like, now you're trying to pull me all the way in. This wasn't what I was trying to do. I started helping. So I'm like, man, but I understood what happened politically. If you didn't have the right team or the right people, the connections, you was out. So I was like, well, Coach Cal just started at Memphis. Like, Cal, you know, I don't really call, actually, for much, you know, but these dudes won't let us in. Like, I got the players, but they won't let us in.
3: Yeah.
2: All right. Let me make, make a couple
3: phone calls. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he said, you know, he didn't, Memphis was Adidas, then the next year they, was, they just started Nike. Okay. He made some calls, and then now they came to the games, and. Now they're like, all right, we really got to see. Like, you know, like, wow. Now nah, they really good. Like, mm-hmm. this is the direction we need to go. So that phone call to somebody, to somebody, to the bosses, they said, you know what, New York is a mess, but we know what you are, what you stand for, what you're about, and you about development, tough kids. Like, you came up through this. We need the changing of the guard, which the change of the errors. So then that's how, then now they're like, but we need you to represent New York, so y'all need to become New York Lightning. Got it. And that was the start of the brand, New York Lightning, in 2012. Okay. So now, we got the stamp, Nike. Mm-hmm. So then now, it just changed everything. Like as far as everybody wants to play, when the best circuit, we're sponsored, the gear, the product, playing against all the guys who are going pro, and then now we basically, and continuing to win, we became one of the best programs in the country and always been one of the best programs in New York. And we always stayed in that discussion every year, the top two, three programs coming out of New York City. And now it's just something like it's a machine. Yeah. But also, essentially, we build our own brand.
1: That's huge.
2: And now that brand allows us to do everything else around it because everybody knows oh, wow, you guys in position mm-hmm. to help kids to get to college or develop, train, work them out, or do all the different things that, that I'm involved in now. That's
3: so cool.
1: <laughs> Yo, I, I only learned, actually, I'm lying. I learned about the Lightning even mm-hmm. before we met at St. Raymond a mm-hmm. few months ago because I was taking my daughter, she was playing... A, with an a a u team and we happened to
2: come to Long Island and I saw the new york lightning long Island lightning logo it was long Island lightning. yeah so that's that's what that's, that's what this is this is the, f- the Hy- Maybe St.
3: Anthony's? oh they
2: had some of the games played at, at the thing okay, so what happened is the long Island lightning is a brand that stretches all around the country, okay. so you have umbrellas within the brand, and we became an umbrella within the brand, which was lightning dingle that eventually became New York Lightning God. with me and Shandu McNeil. Okay. And and that's basically when we separated ourselves and became everybody known as an elite program underneath the umbrella.
1: Which is where the EYBL... And that's... We play in the
2: EYBL League, which is the Nike League, the Elite Youth Basketball League. And that's what all our teams compete under, which is the top grassroots league in the country. And a lot of people compare it. It's basically... The NBA are grassroots, mm. 40 teams spread out throughout the country. We would go four weeks and play um, four games a weekend, but you know who you playing, the Lakers, Knicks, Celtics. Okay. So we'll go and play these four teams, and then we'll play these four teams, these four, so you know who you playing and what time. So the coaching, the scouting, all of it is just on another level. It's just like the league, and that's why if you look in the NBA draft, out of the first 26 players or 27, 22 came from my league. Wow.
3: Damn. You had no idea.
2: And so this is something that just wind up emerging. So it's almost like when you do I say the Lord's work and all of that stuff and you walk in um faith and not by sight, you just go with the plan and just go it you don't pay attention to everything that happens. So this was all might have been like the position that he wanted me in to help you touch more people rather than I wanted
3: myself. But something something giving his word's work, he'll make sure make take care and sure sure. My people people have a sub sup my people people
2: should be taken care by giving back. So my as we got blessed. So even though I'm doing all of this it actually, I receive more blessings. The more I give, the more I get, and that's what's crazy about it. People understand. Everybody think I need, need, yeah. want, want, take, take, take. Now nah, like in all I tell people, in order to receive the blessing, you have to give away the gift. Mm.
3: That's
1: right.
3: <laughs> let, let
0: me tell you something.
1: Uh, that I'm a poet. And that right there is poetry, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so <Dana>. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Nah, you good? You good? Uh-huh. I don't. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I want to keep you longer, but I know you got responsibilities you, didn't you gotta talk handle. This much
3: later, so. huh? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "I didn't know you could talk this much." <laughs> yeah, a
1: lot of
2: people, you know, I mind my business. You know, I just do whatever. I, mean, I so, get out of it.
1: Just, I, I guess, as a closing thought, mm-hmm. um, what would? First of all, I want to know where people can find you if you want to be found. Um,
2: well, I mean, on uh, um, I'm on all the social media. New York Lightning is uh, Instagram. We have a New York Lightning on Facebook, and we have our website, NewYorkLightning.com, and all my contact information is on there because, you know, I do individual training. I do camps, clinics, workouts. You know, I evaluate kids, and, you know, we have elite teams, and we have now select teams for kids that's not as good but still want to play in college. And so, you know, I do a lot of different stuff. So now basically what I do for a living is everything and anything that has to do with basketball.
1: (laughs) <laughs> that's got to be a dream. A so basically, talking, can't really do
2: it, so. so the one thing that I learned, the greatest thing I tell people that with another saying, I know you're going to laugh that I heard this when I was a kid, that if you ever find something that you love and you have a passion that you would love to do and you could get paid to do it, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Yeah, that's right. And that's basically, so I'm saying like, I'm working, but it's something I would be doing for free anyway. Mm -hmm. So you might say, oh, you know, I'm like, so, and that's the blessing I learned. But something that you have a passion, that you enjoy. So you never, so this stuff, I don't consider work. So I could sit here and talk about basketball all day because I enjoy it. I have a passion. This is just basketball. You may look at it as a business. Oh, this, you guys did this, this, this. And I'm like, it's basketball. basketball. Like, y'all making this. This little orange ball, big deal. It's just a basketball. Right. goes in the hoop, and some people applaud, and they're happy. But at the end of the day, it's just a game. But
1: you got to admit, though, the fee- especially on your level, right? Mm-hmm. You guys were, the- for all intents and purposes, the professional team, like the, the pro team of Massachusetts for Correct. a period of time, right? Mm-hmm. So the level at which you guys were, the emotional highs associated with that i i don't think you can get i mean you you know unfortunately people strung out on drugs and all sorts of i don't think you can get that high off of any other thing like i have to imagine that that is on some other level
2: the one thing the feeling like even i teach my kids which is hard to mimic is when you walk in the arena packed gym and oh, you feel that energy, energy. it's just like You would never understand until you was in it. Like, but not only you feel it, but you gotta perform.
3: Yeah, that's
2: not only is everybody in the arena watching you, everybody on TV is watching. I'm watching Mm -hmm. the game tonight. You better show up. I got money on this game. (laughs) Like you represent the hood, you represent New York, you represent the Bronx. Like you can't looking crazy against these dudes in Chicago or LA or whatever. Y'all better you better show show up. up. So now it's like the pressure. Everybody like, yo, you can't come back to the block. (laughs) (laughs) You look like some shit. Like, you can't come back to the block. And then even my homies that was locked up, like, yo, we dialing in. I watch all your games. Shit, I ain't had nothing else to do. Shoot, that's my little man. That's shorty from the neighborhood. So So I'm like, wow, all these people depending on me to have success. I can't come out there looking nervous, shaky, passing the ball, walking, like, eyes like this, like. Like, you gotta, like, when you get, you have to be prepared for the moment and basically expect to be there. Like, that's the one thing Coach Coward said. When we had a big moment, a big game, like, you guys have to expect to be here and expect to win. We're supposed to win. You deserve this, you, you put in all the work, you're supposed to be here. So, once you able to focus on that, I mean, this is, this the games is easier than practice. This is nothing. And so, like, we looking at the dudes, and they're like, damn, these dudes are going dumb hard. What's wrong with y'all? <laughs> this is nothing. Yeah. You ain't been in another practice. <laughs> like, you don't even hear the noise, the people yelling your name. Like, yo, I was calling you all game. Bro, I ain't even listening. I can't even hear that. It's like like the dudes working out. It's like playing with headphones on.
0: Right. It reminds me uh, of Kobe Bryant, right? I think it was his last year in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Kevin Hart was on the car. I don't know if have pretty really seen that. Yeah. He was like, trying to make jokes and like get him to laugh, and Kobe would not flinch. He wouldn't even look his direction or nothing. He's like I'm, f-, like, I'm in, I'm locked." He zoned in, He's zoned in. When there's, when you nothing, get, there's no world outside of
2: And that's game. the only way that you can sustain to be able to play on a high level if you're able to zone out the noise. Like from what you said, from um, playing at a high level amongst a number of different fans and people with pressures and expectations, that the feeling, the goosebumps, like you have to, you have to use that as motivate. Like you feel that? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, a good so convert feeling
1: that to, to, to positive
2: energy. energy. Or you could fold them like, oh, man, scared of the moment. Right. Which, and, and unfortunately people do it, but for me, I live for the moment. And the crazy thing is, in, because of my competitive nature and everything I do, Sham, we the same thing, we wanna win. We playing in the Peach Jam, which is the biggest tournament on the high school grassroots. We trying to win the championships, every college coach in America. Like you can't tell me that, you can't tell me that I'm not playing. And sometimes I forget and I'm telling the kids, we get high, yeah, let's go to, like son, y'all not even y'all not. Yeah, damn, you're right. We not playing. <laughs> I get it twisted. Sometimes we get caught up, and then Charles like, yo, listen, and like we're we'll tell we can't want it more than you. Like we're so like hyped. Yeah, we going to the jam. Like we trying to get this this chip, and the kids don't understand. Like why y'all so, like y'all don't know what this feels like. Like. And that's the difference. Now kids don't have that same energy, they don't they don't feel like like y'all know what y'all playing for. Right. You know, every college coach that you dream about is gonna be there.
0: I don't think Go. I, that's, I mm-hmm. don't think it goes again. It's, it's over here.
3: Uh-huh. It's
0: unfortunate. I think it looks. It goes back to what we we're talking about earlier about mm-hmm. the youth. Like they don't have that sense of urgency. Of like wanting it, wanting the great moment, wanting it to live for the moment. It's just that I don't think that there's that that grit that you I think that you just had innately, or you just I don't I, know. I guess it comes from need, man. Like maybe I don't know if it comes. Yeah, from Yeah,
2: some me. of it is need, cause some people think they expect it. Oh yeah, I'm going to the league.
0: Right,
2: right. How you figure I'm going to league? You're eleven, right. twelve. Who told you going to the league? Oh, anybody could do. It. I see this right. one on TV, right. him on YouTube, since like going to the league. Trust me, I'm going. Right. Like, it's not that
0: easy. You know, you know what's so funny? <laughs> I coached fifth grade uh, boys basketball at one point, right? And I say that to say fifth graders, mind you. Mm-hmm. And I also coach high school, this, and this is within the last three years. And I would say the same trend is happening. It's mm-hmm. they don't want to put in the work. At any level, right? The practice thing is not cool for them, and then they expect to be rewarded with playing time. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And I'm one of those people, I'm no nonsense. Like, you didn't earn it, you didn't get it. I don't care. You gotta put the work in. I don't care if your last name is Jordan. We're gonna have to Sorry. Old school. Like, I don't care. I don't, I'm not impressed. You know what I'm saying? You have a flashy dribble, you have a three point shot, that's cool, but you didn't come up to practice. So therefore, you can't play for me. You come to practice and put that work in. Now, I'm putting in the third stringer, right, who you? we all know he can't play. Mm-hmm. But he put the work in. So he earned my respect, and he took your spot, sir. Sit your ass on that
2: bench. But the, and
0: make it right cozy because I'm going to sit on your seat now.
2: But the only <laughs> difference nowadays, like an AAU and our level, they'll just go find another team. That's real. <laughs> uh, that's real. Oh, he's yelling and cursing. He ain't playing me. Next next day he's on another team. That's
0: yeah. real. That's important. <laughs> it's a sad, sad ass world we live in. When it's you can't too, it's teach, too many
2: op. Yeah, you can't teach them. You no can't more.
0: teach. You can't take a little, a little, a little criticism. Constructive
2: ta- criticism. You can't take. So it's like, they man, you can't. Yeah, well, no, uh,
0: yeah,
2: what was you said? No, ah, you know what? Don't yeah, worry I mean, about. You know this. <laughs> got to play a little harder. That just
0: speaks to the. Like you want to
2: win. Come what, on. You know what? Come that just, on. It just speaks to the soft, <laughs> soft-ass
0: environment that we have today. This is America. They're just soft as hell. It was, it's, it's, it's get, I'm sick to my stomach. And it speaks to the NBA with the lack of contact. You can't breathe
2: you on You can't somebody. touch
1: nobody. It's a foul. Well, we were hearing this on the way here, damn. You cut us off if you gotta go. I know we overtime. no nah, don't t- cut me off. Tell man. me now, cause I, I really, need my I need my whole. I don't want to end up on your wife's shit list.
2: No, my wife. Um, nah, I haven't met kidding. her
1: yet, and I don't want her to be. I don't want to be on her shit list. Nah, no, I'm just kidding, man. Nah, just I just, say just say your last um. Point. <laughs> yeah, my last point is.
2: No, nah, I got I got I could go to like another 10-15 No, cause she's not coming home. I just gotta be home for my daughter to get off okay. the bus. Nah, we but,
1: wrap this up with
0: this last point.
1: Right so Jeff Van Gundy was on a podcast with Adrian Wojnarowski. Right, and he was talking. So he he was, um, uh, coaching the the G League team that was competing for essentially qualification for the Summer Games for mm-hmm. the actual, Yeah, for the actual protein, not protein, but the, the called the Varsity, right? The, the notable name that you see to to participate. So the G League team was the quali- doing the qualification round, mm-hmm. and so Van Gundy was saying. You know, one of the big differences in FIBA play today is, and, and you'll, you'll know this because you, you've been a part of some of that, you have the FIBA game is a lot more like 90s basketball here in the States mm-hmm. versus people in the G League and, like, the newer generation, even in the NBA, they're not used to contact the way FIBA players play. They let them play. Right. And so to, to my brother's point, like, the lack of contact – it, that whole side of the NBA today is something that we always talk about. We're like, damn, you know, so, it's, th- it's rivalries suffer, yeah. right? So rivalries aren't the same anymore. Like in the 90s when there was a rivalry. Not that you got to fight each other, but like, yo, the contact led to right. it. But
2: you know what else so, is crazy yeah. Thing, what you said? Check this out. All right, how many people do you know want to play against one another or they want to play with you?
3: Right.
2: Nowadays, Okay, like, LeBron, you see LeBron working out with KD, mm-hmm. right. Chris Paul, D. Like, everybody's, yeah, everybody's boys. Yeah. They're boys. Yeah. So now we're in an era where everybody wants to play with their friends yeah. and their boys. Yeah. Nobody right. wants to compete no more. It's sad. Yeah. And it's that's what the league, and the league is basically all entertainment. Mm-hmm. We want to score in the 120s, 130s. We don't want all these fouls and this, this, and that. We just want dudes to be able to score at a scored will. Yeah. So now... The Golden State Warriors has transcended the NBA, is now for is all numbers, analytics. Mm-hmm. What you can do based on these numbers. Not like, is he tough enough? Yeah. Is he yeah. gritty? Is his right. will to win? There is win. no numbers for that.
3: There's no, that's, that's
2: like, how can you measure or put a number on how how much hard I have? Yeah. Thank you, you Thank can. you, thank you. But thank you. that's not the league now. Thank
3: you. Like, this
2: dude is going to, but if you watch the teams that win it, who, which teams winning? Who's always the most important player in the championship team? Like right now, who's the most important piece on that Golden State Warriors? Who's the heart and soul? Why? Does he, sco- he shoot threes. He handles. He dunks. He runs. What does he do?
1: He's the enforcer.
2: He does all, all of the stuff, stuff that nobody else want to and do.
1: And he, he's not, the Dana Dingle of not today. That that's he is. thrives in that. And he thrives. He
2: in, looks
0: for the contact. Yeah. He's going to stare the seven-footer in his face and want that contact. <laughs> he going to dunk it in his mother's house. And the that's man the, don't got no fear.
2: He don't care, but, but he they ain't willing. got
0: no numbers for that either.
2: Nah, there's no numbers. There's all they no, can say, he can't shoot. Right. He's not that athletic. Right. He's undersized. Him apart, right. But because if he had success, now what do they say the NBA is about now? Like, what is the the term that you hear now about the NBA that's now? And they're like, oh, this guy would have never been able to play, or oh, these guys can't play now in the new NBA. What's the word? Positionless basketball.
0: Oh, yes.
2: Yeah. There is no position. You just throw out five skilled players. You switch everything. It doesn't matter. There's no point, no center. So now you got lead guards. He's like, wait a minute, he's a two-guard. Mm-hmm. Now nah, he's a lead guard. A lead you know, he's a, he's a point? Yeah, it's something like Sounds that. He's a like lead he, guy. He got the ball in his hands and he could score. It's confusing.
1: <laughs> it's, it's confusing. I,
0: I think I just want to end, end with this point real quick because we can talk about the NBA. By the way, I think we should have him back on the show one day. One day. Mm-hmm. I hope you will commit to having
1: another we- episode with us because –
2: as long There's as I so got the time, I, I don't mind.
1: As long so as I'm in trouble with wife, yeah, good. As long as it's at this time, yeah, like, and it's not, bro, like, on the top.
3: Yeah, you know, because out.
2: once she get home and the family, because my kids is at school. And oh,
3: okay, no Because
2: problem. of my schedule, I'm able to do this. Because, you know, because I start normally around four. Okay. That's why I go home, make sure they're okay, then I come back here. I'll be back here for, like, 4.35. I just, just want to
0: make this quick last mm-hmm. point. There's more contact in a pickup game. Right now, in a in a in a Y or a New York or LA fitness, then there's an NBA. Because I just came out of a couple pickup games myself recently, and I, I we playing like the '90s, you know. what I'm saying minus the you know the hard punching and fouling, but I'm like, yo, when I play my brother, for example, we are all up on each other. You know, what I'm saying we ain't, we can't breathe.
2: You ever play- watch kids play one on one today or two on two? You ever just sit there and watch them play? My ball, that's a foul. Yeah. Oh, that's a travel. Yeah. My ball. No contact, no Like, nothing. oh, no, you travel. That's my ball. Oh, you, you hit my arm. You reach. Yo, you, you hit me right here. That's a foul. You hit me right here. I don't see, see no look, blood. Look. I don't see no blood. It's bruised. That's a foul. My ball. Or oh, they sad. missed a shot. I only missed because you kind of hit me. My ball. Foul. Foul. Everything my ball.
3: It's sad.
2: Like, nobody. Oh, because I came up. Oh, you fouled me? Oh, you don't want. So, this is what I try to do. Defense makes the calls. Oh, No foul. All right, no problem. Cool. I'm cool with that. You sure yeah. it's no foul. Right. All right, so now when you lay it up and you get close on, don't say anything. Right,
0: yeah. now we even.
2: Now right. we could go back and forth, or now you're going to start respecting one oh, another. So you know what? Was that a was a foul. Uh, All right, my bad. Like
0: Dana Dingle <laughs> has literally, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> answered Dang. the question of why and how that game's going to change back to <laughs> some real men.
3: Thank you Dana Dingle Yo Dana Thank you so much (laughs) Thank you so much Uh for your time Uh, No problem We
1: appreciate it This has been phenomenal Phenomenal So yeah That's it I think we're good Anything else you want to say Any parting words
2: Uh, No I thank you guys For allowing me To come on the show And you know Give some opinions And hopefully drop some knowledge And you know Help some kids And help some people out there And you know Reflection of my past And my history And hopefully somebody can take from that and that can maybe help them later or it could be somebody that has nothing to do with basketball that can learn from a basketball experience how it could shape your life to you know become or do positive things and you know to always try to help others and always give back and don't be selfish and keep stuff to yourself
1: that's it peace <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at
3: D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.